0: We just continued to double flip and then i ended up hanging on for three a few times but along the way there was a lot of um little hiccups you know the this ramp was um it, it had a few different kind of radiuses three different radiuses in it and then flattened off so the ramp was quite harsh on the the bike and the body when when hitting it at such a speed so i was actually um i don't know if you saw on instagram but i was actually bending my handlebars on the up ramp on the takeoff from the g out so I went through about fourteen or fifteen sets of handlebars. It's all part of the process, you know. The first, the first ramp that me and Josh built, and trying the triple off that, and you know, then realizing, wow, this is you know a quarter of the size it needs to be. And then going to Travis's, I was able to pick up on um, some different techniques there, Um, and I learned a lot about the ramps. I learned a lot about these degrees and exit angles and all sorts of stuff that I'd never really had much to do with.
1: and welcome to the Riders Lounge podcast. I'm Steve Sommerfeld, your tour guide on this journey to discover what the next generation of freestyle motocross riders are up to and today I'm really stoked to catch up with one of Australia's young guns, J.O. Archer. You may or may not have heard much about him. He's kept a fairly low profile which is actually quite surprising for the things that he's already achieved so far. We actually had a really good chin wag before we started, probably another 30 minutes after actually, but you know, all that off the record kind of stuff. But it was awesome to hear about his journey on working on the triple backflip from building his own ramp with his own adjustments and measurements, trying to work out the exit angles where the ramp is almost vertical and looking for more height out of the jump, different gaps and anything else that will help him get that triple backflip sorted on a much smaller ramp than what Sheenie landed on five years ago. Only one person's ever landed the triple backflip, and J.O. Archer is going after it. So before you settle in for this episode, I have to let you know it is the longest podcast yet, but one of the most interesting, so you'll definitely want to make sure you've got yourself a few beers lined up and in the fridge ready to go. Right now here, it's actually minus 13 today, and I think they're talking about minus 17 tomorrow, where I'm living in Germany, so I don't even need to use a fridge. I've just got my mixed box of Rothaus Tannen beers outside, no need to waste space in the fridge. If I did that in Australia, it would probably taste like a cup of tea, it would be that damn hot. But here in Germany, no fridge required, just pull the Tannen alcohol-free beer out and I'm ready to go. Also a quick shout out to Spect Goggles for their support of this podcast as well with some damn comfy goggles. I haven't had too many chances to ride with all the snow around at the moment, but if you're in a much nicer part of the, of the world right now and looking for the right gear, I'll put a link to the goggles I'm wearing in the show description and you can test them out for yourselves. J.O. has some huge plans so let's see if we can extract some of those plans out of him in this interview and see what he's really up to but i think you'll agree after listening to this interview with one of australia's brightest stars that the low profile will probably be a thing of the past soon enough thank you so much for coming on mate um Awesome to have you! But first thing I want to know about the video that's coming out this week: double backflip caught over, straight yeah. on Instagram. What's going on? Well,
0: first of all, Steve, I'd like to say uh, thanks for having me on here. It's um, it's a pleasure to be invited to uh, jump on here with you. So, cheers for that. And um, yeah, so the the double backflip caught over. It was um, it was funny how that sort of come up. I was I was actually driving home from work. And I've been sort of thinking the last couple of weeks, what's a double flip combo I can do that someone hasn't done yet? You know what I mean? And I was just driving home from work and it sort of just came to me when I was in the car and I thought, damn, I've got to do a court over double flip. So um, I went out to my friend's house. He's got a phone pit out there and um, I was kind of thinking, geez, I don't really know when I'm going to do the court over, like what part of the rotation. <laughs> I've actually done a court over backflip for probably over a year. Um so I sort of you know, just thought, oh we'll see how we go. And it actually <laughs> the first one was a really good court over, but I didn't quite get back to the pegs. I was a little bit went into a bit of a superman. And I made one little adjustment um for the next one and then the second attempt came around perfect. So I was I was pretty happy with that. So um that's uh I'm excited to have that up my sleeve sort of thing and it's a kind of trick I would love to do. Um you know in in a competition or a show or, or something like that so hopefully there's an opening for me to do something like that soon
1: man that's crazy i saw the the double backy cord over double knack so yeah. i guess that's that first one yeah, yeah. that was impressive um but the cord over uh i i actually hated the cord over flip i did it i didn't do it very well but i did it but I hated every single one of them. And I think it was just trying to get my head around pulling back, then moving yep. my body forward into the court over, then looking back and pulling yourself back forward to, you know, land. And yeah. I hated it. I just, every single one coming into the ramp, I was like, oh, <sighs> all right.
0: Now, you know what? I'll, I'll agree with you there because um honestly the caught over backflip is definitely not one of my favorite tricks either um <laughs> it's one of those tricks that you just sort of do it when you have to like you don't it's for me it's not really that fun and i i found it a little bit funny you know pulling back and then like you said moving your momentum and your body weight to the front of the bike and getting through the handlebars it was kind of a little bit of a funny flip trick and also i, I noticed it's pretty easy to over rotate i've seen a lot of riders do that so it was a bit of yeah. a fun pull and everything whereas Using the cord over in a double backflip, I must say, it's it's very fun. and um, Really? I, I found it to be, maybe because it's a new trick and all that sort of stuff, but I found it to be really cool because, um, you know, as you sort of float the first flip around and you get that good snap through the handlebars and you're, and you're arced over, it's cool because you're able to, you know, you're up so high and you're kind of looking out, seeing where you're going. You can kind of spot your landing and then as you go to get back to the pegs um this is one thing i found which helped me on the second one was as i finished the court over i sort of pulled pulled on the handlebars up to my chest tried to muscle the bike up a little bit and in doing that i was able to help my feet sort of find the foot pegs and then as soon as i did that i just tucked into the bike and then um spun the next one around and was able to spot the landing again so Definitely, there's definitely a little bit more that goes into that trick with the extra backflip. There's a few extra techniques that you've got to do, but um, I think all in all, it was it felt pretty cool. I was I was excited um, that it worked out so well because I, I sort of had visions of just you know not getting that close for a little while, and um, so I was, I was excited to bring it around. But um, I'm definitely keen to keep doing them and tr- maybe try to get the court over a little bit a little bit bigger or even maybe just be able to hang on to it for a bit longer. So hold the court over, maybe, you know, halfway through the second rotation as well. So that's a couple of little Mate,
1: to work on. That would be unbelievable to see it go through into the second rotation. Cause that doesn't, you don't see it too often. Hey, like I guess with the no hand double backies, you can see the guys holding it through and it's starting to go into that second rotation, but yeah, not right. too many other tricks.
0: Yeah, well, I don't. I don't think the court over has been done yet. So I think um, it's we're still kind of. Well, I'm still experimenting with, with how the trick can go. So I think the possibility to hang on to the trick for a bit longer into the second flip, I think it's definitely um, definitely possible for sure. So I think next time I get a chance to get out and ride in the foam pit, I'll um, that that'll be something I work on definitely.
1: Are you like you know? You said you were driving. You thought about it. Um, did you really visualize this trick or was it just like, oh, I think I'm going to be in for a long slog of smashing uh, myself in the foam pit. I'll just try it.
0: Oh, uh, so I just, I just thought of it. Um, and then that was kind of it. I just thought, all right, that's what I'll do. And then I didn't really think <laughs> about it again until I got there and we, you know, set the ramp up and all that sort of stuff. And, and then sort of, as I was warming my bike up, I was just thinking in my head, yeah, when I was going to do it, which part of the rotation. And when I thought I was going to do it, and when I did it, it was probably two different times. But what I what I did do is um, I just focused on getting a good, a very good pull off the up ramp, and then I kind of just did what felt natural. So I went into the court over position pretty early on, but it was just yeah, just when it felt natural, and then um, that sort of worked out. I think if you with these kind of double flip variations, I think if you put too much planning into exactly when you're going to go for the trick, I think you may forget about what you're doing, you know what I mean? You might mess up one of the steps along the way. So I felt just concentrate on a good pull and then just go when it feels natural and hold it for, you know, as long as you want until it feels natural and just get back on. And that was kind of my starting point. I just thought I'll, I'll do what feels comfortable and then from there I can watch footage and kind of go back to the drawing board. But then luckily I didn't really have to do that. It just, it just worked out. <laughs> so I think I'll just do the same thing next time <laughs> if I can remember. But wow, no, it was, that's it, was cool. awesome. it wasn't. It wasn't extremely hard. I think the hardest thing about it would be just to, to get back to the bike because obviously the bike is still rotating backwards and your body's kind of coming forwards to, to find your um your forearms on the, on the flip lever sort of thing. So sorry, your your outer arm on the flip lever. So it's a little bit um, that part's a little bit tricky. But um, but yeah, all in all, I think it was a pretty cool trick and. Definitely something like I want to land, um, yeah, in a competition or a show or whenever the time's right.
1: Well, I'm just thinking when when you did that or when you said that about the getting your arms onto the flip levers. Um, where do you run your flip levers? Are you really forward, or are you kind of straight um, up and down on the bars, or where where are your levers?
0: I run the just pretty. I'd say pretty central. Um, definitely not forward, like. Um, some other guys like Sheeney and Clinton Moore—they have theirs yeah. forward because of the massive ruler flips. Um, but now I would say mine are pretty, just pretty average, um, similar to like Cam Sinclair's. Mine and his—I ride with him quite a bit, and I've ridden on his bike before a few times and noticed that they're in a similar spot. So I think it's just pretty, pretty central, just like our handlebars are just in a pretty central position too. So nothing too tricky there.
1: Hmm. Yeah, no, I was just thinking, like, yeah, if, if they were a long way forward, man, that would be almost impossible to find your, yeah. your arms on the on it, looking for the court over, double backy. Oh, where yeah. the hell's his lever?
0: Yeah, you'd end up going into a Superman or a ruler, I think, and, and you
1: might come might come up with a new trick. Well, I was just about to say, new trick, man, go for the combo.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know how i go getting back on that one. I might need a little bit more <laughs> airtime, I think.
1: <laughs> so why are you pushing so hard right now? Like we're in the middle of COVID. I know a few riders are kind of taking it easy because there's no comps coming up, but you're the complete opposite. You are smashing it and uh, you're throwing it up on Instagram, which is awesome to see, giving me something to watch. Um, What's, what's driving you? Well, Steve, I think um, I'm very, anyone that knows me um,
0: knows I'm extremely motivated and driven. Um, Obviously this freestyle motocross and and all this sort of stuff is a massive dream of mine as it is for everyone else but it's something that um it really means a lot to me um and it's something that i really really want to do and and become very good at so um i mean that's the reason i wake up every morning at three thirty a.m and train for an Whoa. hour and a half in the gym before work and then i go and work a, a normal you know full day of work and then I hope to have a ride, you know, in the afternoon after doing all that sort of stuff. So, I think um, I don't have an exact answer, but I, this is how I, I train and ride 365 days of the year. So, I um I don't have a real answer for you there, but I'm just I've i been feeling really good on the bike, um, and my body feels pretty good. I've I've changed a few things with um, with my diet and the way that I train in the gym and all that sort of stuff. So, I'm feeling really good and. Um, I've always had a, I've always had a vision to kind of do the bigger, the bigger tricks or, or not so much the bigger tricks, but maybe the bigger ramps. And, um, I think, yeah, I've really kind of found my place with that at the start of this year with some, with some double flip variations and a few other things that I'm working on. So I think, um, there's no time to be COVID or not. There's no time to be sitting around waiting. you got to, you got to, you know work hard and, and give it your best if you want to be noticed by the um the important people so i'm just trying to do as much as i can in that respect and um yeah just trying to do the best thing i can do for myself as well and I, I like to set a lot of personal goals um each day i pretty much have a personal goal of something i want to do you know whether it's at work or you know whether it's doing certain things at the gym or whatever it may be i always try to do my best uh and to move forward i think it definitely helps on the on the bike as well
1: wow is that exhausting having goals every day that you need to achieve and what if you don't achieve it every day like do you oh, get grumpy at sure. yourself or harder, or do okay. you just wake up the next day and go harder
0: yeah there's no hard feelings if i don't but i just they're not massive personal goals but there's a lot of things i like to do at the gym you know if i did if I did a certain amount of repetitions of something one day, I want to be able to do either more weight or one more rep the next day. So there's just a, I'm very competitive with myself, and I can be a bit hard on myself at times. But um, I think I'm just so I'm so into my training and, and being healthy and, and trying to be good on the bike that I just I just enjoy um, feeding off those sort of things, and I think it helps motivate you. Um, but it's definitely getting up, you know, at three thirty in the morning every day. It's definitely, um, I guess, exhausting, especially towards the end of the week. Um, But that's um, that's what I've got going on at the moment, and hopefully, um, I'm really hoping that this year I'm able to take the the freestyle full time um, and and stop the normal day job, which would be a massive goal of mine. And I think it would um, it would definitely open up doors for me to be doing obviously a hell of a lot more riding. But I think um, you know I'd be able to show the show the world what I can really do on a bike because at the moment I kind of ride, I'm lucky to ride once a week, you know, sometimes only a couple of times a month um, because of other things like work. So that's definitely a big goal of mine. But um, look, I'm, I'm happy with how everything's going and uh, I'm pretty content with, with the training and, and the riding I'm able to do with the circumstances at the moment. But, um, yeah, moving forward, I'd definitely like to spend a bit more time on the bike and really give it my all. But, um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with how everything's going and I'm, I am feeling very confident on the bike. So that's the main thing. Like, you'd, you'd know when your confidence is high on your bike and your body's feeling good, you know, you can really ride to your full potential. So I can't, I can't complain with that at all.
1: Mate, you are – I'm just thinking, like, back to when I was riding and I would ride probably four to five times a week. Like, I'd try and ride every day of the week if I could – and I'd probably do a couple of hours every day, um, and it sounds like you're riding. Like let let's say I'd probably ride 200 days a year, 250 days a year, probably more. Yeah, sounds like you're getting between 30 and 50 days a year if you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and and look at the tricks you're doing compared to the yeah. what I was up to. Mate, imagine if you were riding as much as I was. You'd be Yeah, I mean, killing it. Steve,
0: that's my, that's, my, uh, that's my dream for sure. Um, and I think, you know, with uh, my work ethic that I use in my normal job and my training in the gym and stuff, you know, I'd, I'd really love to be able to transfer that over to the bike and, and spend, you know, hours every day. On the bike but um as i said I, i'm that's the circumstances i have at the moment so i, I am yeah. happy that because you know i feel lucky that i i am able to ride and i do have access to a, a foam pit and an airbag when um when the time's right that i can use them so i've definitely got the right tools for the job i just need to um really i just need to get a few sponsors hopefully to um to help me out and and kind of let me um ride full time but yeah, that, that's something, that's a goal that I have for myself for this year. So hopefully I can um, keep chipping away at that and work towards it. I think we're um, on track for that anyway. So i just got to just keep keep my head down and, and keep working hard um, Yeah, towards that goal.
1: Well, I do know a few people in good positions listen to this podcast. So if you're listening to it, you've just heard it from the man himself. He just needs a sponsorship or two. Yeah. Get him out of this normal job and if this is what you can do with one ride a week, mate, I'd love to see you doing this full-time. That would be unbelievable. Actually, so I guess the big question that I want to know is what the hell are you doing for work? What's keeping you so occupied? Uh,
0: so I do I do a few different things, Steve. Um, I, I work in civil construction. So um, right. we, do, yeah, we do pretty big days. We do sort of 12 hours every day. Um and then in between that, I do bricklaying as well. So I've got a few different things. I I do a fair bit of weekend work um, as well with the big hours because it's it's good money that we can make. And um, obviously, without having any sponsors or, or anything like that, I, I have to fund everything myself. Um, so unfortunately, I, I do have to work quite a bit, but it, goes, it all goes back to the bikes, you know what I mean, and, and buying bits and pieces and... Um, ramps and you know just all that sort of stuff that we we use as freestyle riders so but i'm very lucky um i have a really really good sponsor freeform action sports so my friend yeah. who owns freeform um he, he's a legend he's been he's been with me now and supporting me for probably two and a half years now so he um he's a legend and i think hopefully you guys will see a lot of him in the future with. Um, at events and stuff because his knowledge is incredible. He came over to Travis Pastrana's house with me last year and, um, yeah, he's a massive help. He owns a bag jump airbag um, and, yeah, he's just the guy. So I'm very, very lucky to have his help and support and and not only him but his crew, um, his brother and his friend Wagsy that work alongside him. I'm I'm lucky to have them on board because without them I I wouldn't be able to do any of the stuff (laughs) I've been doing. So.
1: Mate, that's unreal, isn't it? And it's good to have, especially, this is a tool for your job as well. It's not just the sponsor um, to give cash, which is absolutely fantastic. We need to live and we need to pay bills. But if it's a major tool for your job, especially in pushing freestyle, That's right.
0: The airbags, the the bag jump airbags are honestly second to none. I think um, with the way that the sport's going, you know, with bigger ramps and bigger tricks and stuff, with the foam pit, things like that, just it's just not possible. Um, it's far too dangerous to jump some of these big ramps into the foam pit, um, and especially when you're pushing the limit, trying to do silly, silly tricks on a bike, it's just not possible. Whereas the the bag jump airbags are just insane. It's it is remarkable how much of a beating the airbag can take and not get damaged. You know, we've had the bag out in rain and hail, and and then you know in forty degree heat and the things are just so strong, and it just allows you to go really, really big and really high in the air, and and you know you land and you don't get hurt, so it's it's incredible. So I'm very, very lucky to have access to ride to ride Josh's airbag. Um, so that's um, that's one of the biggest things which has helped me um, with learning some of these tricks. So that's definitely I think that's you know one of the most important tools um for a freestyle motocross rider in this this day and age there um yeah, yeah.
1: well you've spent a lot of time in a foam pit now on the airbag do you see um like is there a difference in how you approach landing on it i've heard um, from other guys that you should if you're thinking about doing something for the very first time and you think you're gonna land on your head probably better to do it in foam but i don't know what do you yeah, reckon
0: it's not a bad question um I think, look, to be honest, I've never jumped 75 feet um, off a normal ramp into an airbag. I've only jumped – I've jumped off some really, really big ramps into the bag, but I think um, it's definitely a different feel. Um, The biggest thing you notice in a foam pit is when you land in the foam pit, whether the bike's, you know, running or not, you just land and (laughs) then you're just stuck. That's it. You just – where you land is where you end up. One one thing you notice with the the airbag is – you do tend to move a little bit when you land but not crazy like you can learn with the throttle on and you're not going to take off sort of thing um yeah. but there's a little bit of a different feel for the landing but i can tell you that i've landed i've landed on my head doing certain maneuvers and uh into the airbag and it's definitely um it's definitely okay like you can you can um you can get out of it fine but they're there is one thing you've got to be really onto with the airbags when you're going off such a big ramp and that's um, controlling the correct air pressure. Yeah, so The airbags have got to have a certain amount of air in them. And um, I think that really comes from experience and that's something that Josh from Freeform action sports um, really has nailed because some of the airbags can be pretty temperamental and they're all a little bit different, you know, the brands and stuff, but I think getting to know your equipment and, um, and really knowing how the bag is meant to sit naturally is um, is the key to having a soft landing and, and getting away with it well. Um, whereas the foam pit, you know, as long as you got it, got it fluffed up, they're always pretty soft. But as I said, you can't really go as big. So um, I think, look, I, I much prefer the airbag um, for the stuff that I do. But definitely, I've I've had a lot of good times in the foam pit over the years, and you know, learning how to backflip and all that sort of stuff, and. I think they're both they're both great tools um, that we use in freestyle, but I think definitely the future is is these airbags. Like they're just amazing, and then obviously they're making the airbag landers too. So they're just insane how good they are. It's, that's just so good for um, progression and kind of innovation of tricks and and just you know upping your riding skills and, and your confidence. Like having the airbag lander is just so big for your confidence because you can kind of go from a foam pit or a big square airbag and then. You know you've got a stepping stone to dirt now so you can go to the lander before going to dirt so it just does really good things for your confidence and and it just keeps you safe and in one piece
1: well that's the thing like i i remember let's say when i know i was really trying to push like a a kod flip and trying to get a ruler flip and you know you you kind of look well i do i kind of looked at the back of the landing and you jumped it a couple of times and and I don't know, maybe it was the point, oh yeah, this landing looks good and I feel good and I just do it. But then there are days where I go somewhere else and you look at oh shit, I can't even see the top of the landing from over the top of the up ramp and you're like
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, I don't wanna overcook this. Like I'm just gonna take this one easy and you so your confidence is down in the gutter and yeah. you still do it, but you're not feeling good about it and I just I've never actually jumped onto an airbag landing but it yeah the feeling that I think I would have would be like I'm just gonna throw it because yeah. it'll oh, be man. fine I don't know
0: the airbag landings are seriously amazing like I remember the first time I ever jumped to one um, I just did a you know just a, a straight jump and as I was coming down to land it was almost like I was sort of getting my body in the attack position and, and kind of getting ready to brace a landing as you do on dirt
1: yeah you know,
0: landing on this thing and it was like my suspension did not even compress because it was, it was <laughs> ridiculously smooth I think the best way to describe it is it's like you're landing on a cloud like there is Mate. nothing there and you know you can they're actually really good for practicing like turn downs whips too because I've done a few you know big ones and kind of not got them back a hundred percent where you could have possibly high sided on a dirt lander and you can pretty much land sideways on those things and just ride out of it like it's incredible really yeah i've no sh- I've, I've even seen i've seen guys do 360s to airbag landers and kind of come back a little bit you know a little bit crooked and just be able to ride out of it like it's it's pretty incredible how they work so it's definitely
1: Man.
0: it's so good for your confidence
1: Oh, I could actually like you're making me want to go ride now because uh yeah. oh, like I I only really like I never really did much with whips uh yeah. until like the last couple of years that I was riding. Um and then I I was really getting into them. I thought I was Jared McNeil. I thought I was upside down and you know, and I thought I was doing turndowns like Tyler Wakeford, but that yeah. that wasn't happening either. Um because I was always thinking like if I just if i'm coming in 45 degrees this is gonna hurt but sounds like uh sounds like there's a bit of confidence building there probably wouldn't be good going to dirt again (laughs)
0: yeah no they're good And another thing which which is awesome about them too is you can ride you can ride the thing all day and you know sometimes if you if you have a big session riding to a dirt lander towards the end of the day you might be a little bit sore you know you're your arms or your legs or your back, like, you know, just because you've been, you've been smashing it all day. Whereas on there,
1: tell me about it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> another thing you really is really, you know, which is really awesome about the bag lander, you can just keep landing and because you're going so smooth and your suspension, as I said, it's barely compressing, like a, the, the lander is taking everything. So you can have a massive day riding that in, you know, in heat and everything, and you just feel fine towards the end of the day. So, that's another thing which is really cool about them. I'm sure you could ride them five days a week and, you know, you would just be, it'd be sweet. So that's definitely a cool thing as well.
1: Do you reckon they've got the durability to be ridden five days a week, every week for
0: years I on end? I like- think so, man, because, you know, when I was at Travis's house, um, he has the bag jump, um, the big square airbag that you're practicing doing. I think, he, I think he's had his – his was the first one I think ever that the bag jump got so i'm pretty yeah. sure that, that is for like eight years or something and um you know we've seen all the crazy things that they've done on nitro circus jumping into that airbag and you know with sheeny with the the triple backflip and all that like it's the thing's taken a beating and i was jumping into that very same airbag and um the thing was still yeah it was still sweet it's like it's crazy how strong they are they're just they're built incredible so I, I honestly believe you could you could just ride it and ride it and ride it. And I just think, you know, I don't think you'd really um, get yourself in too much trouble. If you do put a tear in it, there is a way that you can keep um, yeah. the material back over it. So there is definitely ways that you can fix it if you do have a minor incident. But I think all in all, they're just pretty pretty strong. I think the guys, Martin and the other guys from Bag Jump, have just really done their homework um, in creating something that is just it's just built to take a beating from dirt bikes and BMX and snowboards and scooters and, you know, every, everything that they jump into it. So yeah, they're pretty cool.
1: Yeah. It's, it's definitely an interesting direction. Like it's I've like seen, I've seen bag jump. I've, I, have i have I guess the, the big airbag guys, they brought um, the, like the topper, to red bull dirt diggers where luke ackerman did a double backflip off dirt to dirt so he used that one i've seen the chinese ones uh seen the factories and i don't know like they they all it i don't know like it just looking at it just having an airbag one way or another seems like the best way to go forward Um, the durability That's something I don't know. I think that's what we'll find out in time. But if you, like you say, if that first one that Travis has had and it's copped such a beating over the years and it was the first one they made, well, yeah, might be the way to go for everyone instead. You know, like uh, I know there's a guy in England um, and he built a, he's got a dirt landing that he built. um, And then the council came and told him, no, you can't have any dirt over one metre high, otherwise it's uh, classed as major works. So now yeah. he has to rip down his dirt uh, landing. So instead, he's like, okay, well, then I'll go buy an airbag. Perfect. Yeah. Solved the problem straight away. Like, blow yeah. it up, ride it, let it down. You're not upsetting any neighbours. You're not upsetting the the council. So Exactly yeah. right,
0: because it's, then it's, it's not a permanent structure. So you can pack it up and... You know, another cool thing is you can transport it. You can take it to your mates' house, or you can take it to a show, and it's something I've noticed in Europe. There's um, there's some guys that are they're actually doing shows now to an airbag lander, which I think is cool. Um, You know, it's definitely it's definitely safer than going to a portable FMX truck, and I think (laughs) it'll it'll just make for better riding because I can tell you that I've jumped to the airbag lander when it's been you know crazy wind. Um, I've jumped to it when it's been, you know, just starting to sprinkle with some rain. And I can tell you that you do still ride normal because when you're coming into the ramp to the airbag lander and there's a bit of wind, you kind of don't second guess it. You just go as, you know, as per you yeah. because you just know that you're, you're safe. Whereas to yeah. a portable FMX truck, you, you know, it, it can be the, it can be a big thing when it's super windy because um, I've done a, I did a heart attack backflip a couple of years ago and it was, it was massive. It was the biggest one I've ever done, like looking through. And <laughs> as I came back to the bike, it wasn't windy or anything. It was just – I just did the trick way too big. And um, as I come back, I got a bit crossed up and um, took a – well, what would have been a massive crash to a, to a dirt down ramp. and. Um, I just got up and, you know, brushed myself off and I was fine. I didn't have a grazed arm or a sore head or anything. And it was a massive crash. And I literally just got up. I think my my bike was a little bit twisted, just the forks. Like I didn't even bend handlebars, didn't break a lever. I just straightened out the front end and then I was good to keep going. So I think, um, yeah, I think it's definitely the way of the future. And I think it's it's really good for the sport. I know there was a few people in the early days that were against them and saying, Oh, you guys are pussies or whatever. But the way I look at it, if if things like that can keep us doing shows because of safety reasons and not only that, we can do bigger and better tricks. I think that's that's the best thing for the sport. So I'm I'm all the way for them. I think um I think they're one of the best things that's happened for for freestyle, you know, in the last kind of three to five years. They're becoming a lot more popular and I think it's it's awesome.
1: Well, that's the thing. I I was against them purely because what I thought the crowd would think. Yeah. Like, would the fans go, oh, what a bunch of pussies. Like, come on, guys. You're on a motorbike. You're on a dirt bike. Go to dirt. And, like, does it really, like, would you lose a lot of that the danger factor which is half of why they watch it it's why people got into it it's why it was gnarly at the start of the sport and crusty demons and da 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 um i i definitely love them for us for riders i think it's yeah. definitely the greatest thing i wish um i wish i rode onto them uh, i'd still be riding right now uh, yeah, i think <laughs> right. i'd have a hell of a better chance than than the flat ass um <laughs> mobile landing i landed on
0: yeah but,
1: but I think like when I look at it, Nitro and Travis, like, they've done the hard work. They've they've put the airbags out there and potentially we're going to get like, you know, everyone not turning up to the next year's shows going, What a bunch of pussies But they've been doing it for like five years, six years, seven years, whatever, however many years with an airbag now. Yeah. And people still keep coming back. The tricks are getting bigger. So I'm like, Well, well those guys quite- have actually done the work, like People don't care, okay? If people don't care, and I think everyone's seen that now, so it's like, okay, let's stop killing ourselves. um, Yeah, I mean... We can go bigger.
0: I think Nitro, like you said, they've done their homework and they've they've made a really good decision with, with the landers and the safety sort of side of things. But, you know, the reason that they have done that is it's purely so the riders can do more and give more back to the fans. You know, it's not like... I don't have guys just doing sort of small upright tricks, you know, to the airbag. It's it allows people like Sheenie to do the massive double backflip variations and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, when you're doing it tour like Nitro Circus, you might be doing two or three shows per week. You just couldn't imagine doing a massive double flip variation to a you know, a portable lander or a scaffold lander like three times a week. It would just be it would be insane. Whereas you know, doing it to a, a safer lander. I mean, it's, there's still there's still a lot of danger involved in the the landers at Nitro have for sure. I'd never take anything away from the guys on there, but I just think it allows it allows freestyle riders to really push it and and keep the sport pumping. So I I just think it's insane. I think it's really really good. I think um, I don't think you could have a bad thing to say about it. And I think the people that do kind of say a bad thing about it are probably just a little bit uneducated like they just haven't had a chance or they just haven't had a chance to ride on one and, and, you know, get to see how cool they really are. So.
1: That's it. No, I completely agree with you, man. Well, um, you said at the start that you did ride a lot with sinks and that's, I think that's where I met you the first time down at sinks place, place. Yep. Um, many, many, many years ago when you were a yep. young buck, yep. um, what was it like to ride with Sinclair, especially at that time, because he was the first rider to bring the double backflip to ev- well as many competitions as he could. And then he was doing them on Nitro Tour as much as he could. And,
0: yeah, and the Krusty Tour even before that. And cr-
1: exactly, Krusty Tour before the Nitro Tour. So growing up, like you've had a hell of a mentor, um, yeah. someone who was an innovator. Maybe not innovating the double flip, but he certainly learnt the double flip and put it into practice more than anybody at that time. How did that sort of, I don't know, how did you grow into riding with him and did you just go, okay, double flips, uh, that's normal?
0: Yeah, well, it's funny. Um, It's funny when you say it like that. But um, Look, it was it was awesome it was it was incredible for me to um to have a mentor like Cam and and to be able to spend so much time with him um when i was around sort of probably 10 or 11 years old me and cam actually lived together for about 2 years so um you know it was like having having your your older best mate that you look up to live with you so for yeah. me it was awesome you know we used to used to ride BMXs together and and 50s and all sorts of stuff so it was it was really cool and um you know i i was able to learn so much from cam um and uh when i first started riding with him i was racing motocross you know that's what i grew up doing so i remember going out and sort of i always liked the ramps and stuff i hadn't really had much to do with them but i started jumping ramps with cam and he was teaching me bits and pieces and then you know i went out there one day and he's like well you you going to do a backflip or what? I was like, yeah, of course. I <laughs> started doing that and then I landed my first flip when I was 14, which was cool. I was still racing then and, um, yeah, it, w- it was awesome. But, um, but yeah, through
1: his
0: career and, and especially when he was really um, working on the double flips hard, I was, I was always around and, we were, you know, sometimes I'd be pulling him out of the foam pit with the crane and all that sort of stuff. So to see his um, – just his drive and his passion um you know for what he loved doing and and for the bigger tricks which was the double backflip then it was it was something really cool to see and that was something that i was able to to really learn and and just really just enjoy watching um and you know then i remember when he learned the flare he did he did the flare at the sydney x fighters yeah because it was about literally i think it was maybe four or five days before the x fighters competition we um He wanted to do a 540 flare, you know, so we're like, all right, well, there's no quarter pipe. So we got a super kicker and turned it um, upside down sort of thing, you know, um, put it on its end, and he had that set up next to the foam pit. It was pissing down with rain, and he went and did one perfect into the foam pit. And I reckon he he did about three or four of them. That was it. And then he went to Sydney and nailed it in qualifying and in his run. So – you know he's um he's a massively skilled rider and um and he's got he's got balls too so being around him was uh it was awesome and especially after you know after he had his accident which most people know about you know he's got his movie twice which is basically a documentary on how all that panned out but to see um to see his motivation and, and passion to come back from the the injury which was incredibly bad i'm sure most people would have seen, you know, the, the state that he was in after that accident. He he basically had to learn to walk and talk again and, and everything, you know. And to be able to even ride a bike again was, you know, incredible. But to come back and win X Games with a double backflip the next year was like, you know, the, I can tell you right now, there's not many people on the world in the world that would do such a thing or would want to put themselves through that. So I think, That's uh, it. I think Cam, you know, he always deserves... Yeah, he always gets the respect he deserves because he's just—he's a beast, you know. And um, I've been very lucky to to spend a lot of time with him and and to learn a lot of things from him on the bike. And I remember one when, when he did start doing the double backflip, it was something. It was something I always quietly dreamt of doing, but it was not the kind of thing I would talk about because you know there was only kind of two or three people doing them at that point. So. Um, but it was, it was always something I, I used to just picture trying to do one, one day. And then, you know, when I was able to start doing them, I remember working on them with Cam in the foam pit and him kind of coaching me along and, and teaching me little techniques that he used to do. And, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. So it's, it's awesome that I've been able to start doing that now as well.
1: Man, well, that was going to be my next question, was knowing what he went through himself, almost dying, getting back up, doing it all and, and the mental strength that would have taken to do what he did. Did he ever try and talk you out of doing the double backflip?
0: Um, No, he didn't really because you know what it's like being a a moto rider. Um, You never like to think about that kind of stuff. Obviously there is a risk involved in, in anything we do, but um, I think Cam knows that I'm pretty, pretty passionate and pretty motivated about, you know, freestyle and, he was um he was definitely always always to me about taking the right steps though you know and, and not not rushing into anything uh, especially something as serious as a double backflip it's not the kind of thing that you can take lightly so um, he was always very supportive um, and just kind of made sure I did things in the right manner you know I didn't didn't rush into it and I had everything kind of set out and the foam bit was fluffed up and. You know, there was just step by step we did things correct, which was good. And I did, um, I did do a fair few into the foam pit, you know, before doing it to a, to an airbag lander, um, and then to dirt at the Oz Open last year. But, um, no, Cam was always, he's always been really supportive of that. So it's been good.
1: That's awesome. What about family and friends then? Have, have, yeah, have family and friends said to you, oh, jo like this is getting pretty nuts now
0: <laughs> uh tell you, none of my family I, I'm, I'm extremely lucky my family uh they're awesome they're so so supportive and um you know they always listen to the crazy silly things i want to do or plan on <laughs> and, um you know not once has anyone in my family or my girlfriend or anything ever said no they're they're, they're generally the ones that are telling me, you know, you can do it. You work hard, you can do it. You got to, you got to stick at it, sort of thing. So, I've been very lucky with that. Um, I think as for friends, I've definitely had a few friends say, "What are you doing?" or "You're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to do that," or, or whatever. But um, I think the the most important people that are closest to me have always been, yeah, really supportive. So it definitely helps when your your family and friends are. It kind of giving you the nudge, saying, "Yeah, you can do it." It makes you um makes that little bit more confident, which is good.
1: That must be the best feeling in the world. Um, I mean, I've never had anybody tell me it was a dumb idea. I mean, my dad never watched me. He just he said if I ever crashed out in the paddock and broke my neck, he was going to come out and hit me on the back of the head with a shovel, and put <laughs> me out of my misery. Um, but he never said, "Don't do it." Yeah. Uh, he did knock over all my jumps like when when I was a kid like when I was in high school so I'd have to get on a bus and go into into town go to school get on the bus come home but on Thursdays he would play lawn bowls and so like we were dairy farmers so we were he was working all day every day but on yep. Thursday afternoons he had that one off so I would get home from school I'd jump on the tractor I'd make a jump I would jump <laughs> it for about an hour but then when i went to school the next day he'd look at the track to see there's fresh dirt and he's like oh little bastard's gonna build a jump again so he would go and knock the jumps over but he never actually said don't do it and then when i got a bit older i, I went to uni and he's like all right well this is your decision like if you want to do this you're old you enough know,
0: now Steve. yeah
1: <laughs> that's it you're old enough and dumb enough you can do what you want um and so I, I've always had that feeling as well of no one's really said don't do it like just go for it like if you, if this is what you want go for it and it's a good feeling and it sounds like you've got definitely the right people in your corner
0: yeah for sure but then
1: and then the next step um, that I wanted to touch on and you've already mentioned his name and you said you were over there as well when you went to Travis's house yeah to go from not to go from because this is just all us you know it's just a process in the making but going to Travis's for the first time how did that come about um and what was it like to turn up there for the very first time and then to have his confidence you know I've seen him tell people who probably shouldn't be jumping into a foam pit to jump in there (laughs) but obviously you've got the skills so how was that?
0: No well it was such a good experience but um I'll start with how it kind of all kicked off it's a funny story um I had um, I had a plan, you know, to do a triple backflip. It was it was something that I wanted to do. So, myself and Josh from Freeform Action Sports that I spoke about earlier on, yeah. we um we came together and and had a few ideas, and we ended up just drawing a ramp on a piece of paper, you know, with little measurements and um, the degree of the of the exit angle and stuff like that that we wanted to do, and we yeah. just. We built the ramp, and then I just, you know, pushed it fifty feet from the foam pit and had a, had a crack at the triple into the foam pit for the first time. And from there, I was like, shit, you know, it's wow, it's, 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 we we can do it, sort of thing. And and then the way that it all kicked off with Travis, um, I was I was at work, and I remember having a shitty day, and I was just all I would think be thinking about is freestyle, and want to do this, and want to learn that trick, and this and that, and. I ended up um, reaching out to Travis via email and um, I basically, look, I I knew Travis a little bit, but but not well. You know, I'd met him a few times, but I definitely didn't know him well. So the chance of Travis replying to me, I honestly thought was very slim, but I thought, you know (laughs) what, I want to do this. I want to see if if he writes back. So I sent him an email and I, I told him my plan of what I wanted to do with the triple backflip and I sent him a few clips that I'd that I had on my phone and me trying them into the phone pit. And um, anyway, and once I'd sent that, I was back to me, shitty job. And then um, <laughs> I could not believe it, but, you know, maybe an hour or whatever later, my phone went off and it was an email from Travis Pastrana. And the first thing I did was screenshot it and send it to my family. And I was ridiculously stoked. I was, I've gone from having a shit day at work to having the best day of my life at that point. Um, and <laughs> Travis could not have been any cooler. He was just like, hey, Joe, what's up? Yeah, that's cool. You know, awesome. You want to do that? And we we chatted back and forth for a little bit. And then the best email, he just said, all right, here's my address, um, blah, blah, blah. This is when I'm home. Let me know when you're coming over. And I was just like, wow. So for the Holy next- shit. Uh, for the next probably two months, I, I did not ride my bike once in the in two months leading up to Travis's. All I did was work, work and work, and I put aside um, a bunch of money to to pay for the trip and to send my bike there and all that sort of stuff. So I just worked my ass off six days a week for yeah for two months, and then um, when I got to Travis's, got there and we um, myself and Josh from Freethorn, were we went over together and. It was awesome. We pulled up and we got the big, you know, um, the big Dodge Ram truck or Ute as we call them in Australia, and it was it yeah. was you know, very surreal. And um, as we as we drove from the airport, we we just couldn't believe it as we were pulling up to Travis's house. Like it was just, you know, I've I've watched so many Nitro Circus movies and DVDs and all that sort of stuff that. I felt like I'd been there because I knew the whole layout of his property and his shed and all that actually being there in real life was just, it was absolutely amazing. Um, like just pulling down the driveway, he's got the big skate park and, you know, and all the big American trucks and all the ramps and there's just so, there's so much cool stuff there. Like there's ramps, there's ramps there that, are you know, the first ever mechanical front flip ramp that Paris Rosen was using 15 years ago or something. And there's, you know, the Far first
1: thing
0: that they started building with all these little extra attachments on there, and like the, it was just incredible. It was like a museum for dirt bikes, and it was that there was at that time that then was the best day of my life, and I, I just could not believe it. And um, as we got there, we kind of we didn't really have too much of an idea what was going on, we were just in shock. And um, Travis wasn't actually there, he arrived about <laughs> Yeah, about half an hour later or something. But at this point in time, I still didn't have accommodation sorted. We were just going to kind of get there and figure it out and figure out where it was close and kind of set up a base. And then um, Travis rolled in, cool as, and and he's you know, like, yeah, well, you guys are staying here. And me and Josh just looked at each other. We were just like, is this really happening? Like, you know, this is just the best thing in my whole life. I just couldn't believe it. So Travis was just so... Um, so cool to be around and and so helpful you know there was there was not one point where he wasn't trying to help me with if i needed bike parts or or anything you know we were going out and having lunch together and riding these harleys and like it it was just the best experience ever and um anyway and when i got there i i didn't actually know which ramp i'd be jumping off or anything so this last two months of working hard and saving up money I just knew and that not, I was, riding. Yeah, not riding. <laughs> I, knew I was going there and I, I just wanted to do a triple flip. I just thought it's that simple. So I hadn't actually, yeah, hadn't figured out what ramp I was going to use or anything. And before Travis arrived, when, when we first got there, me and Josh were just kind of walking around the property and checking it out. And the, I saw a massive ramp and I thought, well, that must be the one I'm jumping. It was just this ramp up in the woods, just next to a bunch of trees. And I was looking at it and I'm like, well, it looks pretty scary, but that's got to be it. I'm like, all right, I'm in. But then, it turns out that ramp I thought I was jumping was actually Jed Milden's quad backflip ramp.
1: Oh um, yeah, yeah. I probably yeah. wouldn't
0: want to jump that on a, on a freestyle bike because the thing was like, <laughs> it was about 500 mil wide. <laughs> it was tiny. But um, no way. It was tiny. It, it was huge. It was extremely tall and steep. But um, but now the ramp I was actually jumping was a little bit further up in the woods in three pieces and um we ended up um uh, yeah we ended up pulling that down the other side of the property to the where the airbag is and we had help from um Trevor Pirana which, um, <laughs> which was helpful to to build it all up it was it was massive you know big three piece ramp so we we had that set up and then um the first day i rode actually it was just me and Josh there was no no Travis or no one around so Kind of just had this big ramp there that no one except for Travis has hit, and I didn't really know what distance to put it out or what gear to hit it in or any of that sort of stuff. So it was it was really cool though. That's that's something that I really like that feeling of being a bit uncomfortable, you know what I mean, and not really knowing, like trusting yourself. But I, I really love that aspect of having to plan things out and and just give it give it everything, you know what I mean. So we set the ramp, but I think. Um, 55 feet distance and then yeah got over that and then i was just just double flipping it and then um yeah from there we we just continued to double flip and then i ended up hanging on for three a few times but along the way there was a lot of um little hiccups you know the this ramp was um it it had a few different kind of radiuses three different radiuses in it and then flattened off so it was quite (sighs) The ramp was quite harsh on the the bike and the body when when hitting it at such a speed. So I was actually, um, I don't know if you saw our Instagram, but I was actually bending my handlebars on the up ramp, on the takeoff from the G out. So I went through about 14 or 15 sets of handlebars. um,
1: No way.
0: Yeah, which was crazy because, as I said, I was bending the the throttle side. So the the right-hand side, I was bending that down pretty much every jump on the on the up ramp so one time it bent really really bad and I ended up doing a going off sideways and did like a double backflip 360 and then had to eject from the bike but um so there was yeah there was a few little hiccups like that along the way but I think um, you know it, it's all part of the process you know the first the first ramp that me and Josh built and trying to triple off that and you know then realizing wow, this is, you know, a quarter of the size it needs to be. And then going to Travis's, I was able to pick up on um, some different techniques there. Um, And I learned a lot about the ramps. I learned a lot about these degrees and exit angles and all sorts of stuff that I'd never really had much to do with. So um, it was, look, it was the most amazing trip um, and it was something that I'll never forget and I'll always appreciate so much. But it was also really good to learn um, different things about the ramp and the bike and speed and and the airbag, we learn a lot about the air pressures and stuff there. So I think moving forward, I've been able to take take on the knowledge that I got there and I've been able to use that in my riding today. And um, it's been really cool to kind of to piece a few different things together off different ramps and, as I said, different techniques and different throttle control. And I think it's really helped me with, um, with some things that I'm doing now. So i've got um i've got some pretty cool stuff i'm working on at the moment with nitro circus um unfortunately i'm not really allowed to talk about it just yet because it's just um you know it's like the pre works, so we're, we're sort of just working on it all but when the time's right myself and nitro circus will release that on social media so i'm really excited to show everyone what what we got going on but um yeah it's been a really cool run and and Look, none of this would have happened if it wasn't for my friend Josh and for Travis. So I can't, I can't thank those two guys enough um, for allowing me to to go over there and just to show my skill and and just to show my balls that I wanted to do the the triple flip, um, because not you know not that many people really want to do it. But um, yeah, I've got to be so thankful for the the help I've had from those guys. And I think um, yeah, I think from here it's only the beginning. You know, I think um, there's a lot more. To come from me, and hopefully I can show everyone that this year.
1: Well, I think when you went over to Travis's to try the triple at that point, were you only the next rider after sheeny to attempt it? I'm I'm trying to remember yeah. back. Like this is a couple of years ago now. Yeah, Maybe so my memory's wrong.
0: The second, yeah, the second person. I mean, you no, know, Travis. Travis played around with the triple for a bit, um, but it was you know sheeny ended up taking the rein and and doing that. So, um, but yes, I was the second, the second rider to, to have a go, um, at that. And I was pretty satisfied with, with, uh, how I went there because I think all up, I only got to do about 15 attempts. Um, and I did end up spinning one around. So it was an under, it it was an under rotate, but I I did spin three backflips around. So I was pretty happy with how that went, but, um, but yeah, as I said, it's it's not a trick that that many people want to mess with. But for some reason, it's something that I'm, you know, super motivated, and it's just it's just something I, I think of um, on a daily basis. You know, pretty much all day. I'm I'm always thinking, how can I improve this, or what can I do to my bike, or you know, there's always it's always on my mind, and um, it's definitely something that uh, I'm very passionate about, and. And I can't wait to land the thing. <laughs> it's, um, but it's one of those tricks that you can't expect to, to learn, you know, in a week or, or a month even. There's a lot of different ways, um, a lot of different things you've got to think about. And I think the, the biggest thing with the triple backflip is, um, you know, it's, it's quite easy to over-rotate a double backflip or even to get two and a half. But in order to get that, that last half a rotation to make three is incredibly hard and um, before you kind of try it you don't really get to understand that travis travis did tell me that exact information beforehand um, but until doing it yourself you don't realize because the reason that last backflip is so incredibly hard is because once you hit your peak airtime you can imagine once you get to your highest point you're then free falling so you're then coming down towards the ground with no momentum and you're trying to pull a backflip as you're free falling from the sky. So it's very, very hard to get that last one. So there's a lot that you have to, um, adjust, you know, with your body position and all sorts of stuff. But I think all in all, like, like Sheeny would know, it just takes time and, um, and, and techniques. And there's yeah, there's just a lot of things you could, you could work out. And, um, you know, I've got to give all my credit to Sheeney, all the credit, sorry, to Sheeney, because he's just a beast and, um, like the the amount of stuff that he's done on a bike is incredible, but that the triple backflip that he did off that ramp was it was crazy. I, I went and had a look um, at the setup. You know, the ramp wasn't there that he used, but the landing and and everything was there at Travis's house, and yeah, it was it was crazy. He was he was coming flat out on a four fifty out of the woods and just going you know going massive. So, um, yeah, I I couldn't believe. I remember looking at my phone and seeing it on social media when that came out, and I just couldn't believe it, you know, that it, that someone did that. And then a couple of years later, it's something that it, that I'm trying to do, and that I don't stop thinking about. So it's, it's <laughs> quite a of how things work out, but um, but yeah, yeah that's no. definitely, definitely focused on on getting done this year.
1: Absolutely unreal. How long were you there for? At Travis's that uh, time.
0: At Travis's house for around two weeks but i had a few there was a few complications so my my bike turned up about a week late <laughs> um, perfect so i might have been there just over two weeks but yeah i lost i lost about seven days and then it ended up arriving in the wrong airport it, it was meant to go to um baltimore and it went to new york so oh yeah, so something stuffed up. The guy stuffed me over a fair bit. And and, t- and speaking of that, the bike's actually stuck there. I can't get it home. Um, they won't let still me. Still now, still there now. Two years later. So, yeah, I lost I lost around seven days um, at the start, and then we had yeah, there was just a few few other little dramas um, along the way, and then you know didn't realize I was going to go through so many sets of handlebars and things <laughs> like that. So I didn't get to spend that much time on the ramp, but. That's why I was pretty satisfied with with how it went for the amount of time I kind of had on it. And another thing I didn't realize until getting there was um, on a on a ramp that big, you know. And even though the airbags are incredibly safe and and you know awesome technology, your your body and your bike can only take a certain amount of hits per day before your focus isn't quite there. So um it was the kind of thing i was only sort of doing you know three a day yeah because, um, I'd, I'd normally i'd normally just kind of if you're a little bit beaten up or it was it was also extremely hot when we were there but for something like that where you've got to really give everything 110 if there's something that's you know not quite right you're not quite as focused or your energy's a bit down or whatever it's it's one of those things you'd rather save for the next day and um, as you can imagine like after each jump i got to go back to the garage i've got to take my grips off take my levers off change handlebars straighten the front end you know all that sort of stuff so it was a little bit more time consuming than, than just jumping over and over again so there was a few things like that which i i had to uh, learn to deal with while i was there but as i said i think it um i was able to learn so much from it and every time i do things now i've always got a few sets of spare handle so
1: that was um man that's that's unreal like there's a few things there to, to unpack but first your bike's still sitting there i'm guessing it is it like at a jfk airport in new york or is it in yeah. baltimore or where is it
0: yeah so the bot now the bike is at travis's house so it's in a
1: oh okay <laughs> yeah,
0: so it's all packed up in a bike crate but um I won't mention the name of the company but the company that I chose to send the bike over with um I think he charged me like $5000 to send it there and it was meant to be coming back and as I said it arrived a week late which I was really disappointed about because I was like looking at the ramp and the setup and I was so excited to ride and the thing just wasn't there and I was calling him and I was trying to track it and all sorts of stuff and it was just I wasn't getting an answer um, and then, uh, yeah, I went to the wrong airport and then when it was time to, to head home, I was, I was you know, making it pretty clear that I needed to send the bike before I flew home because I needed to pack it up into the back of the ute and drop it off at the depot yeah. or, the airport or whatever and and make sure it gets home safe. And then I had the Ausdex Open coming up. So, um, and then, you know, he just kind of stuffed me around and he lost some paperwork that proved that it was a – temporary import to america oh, no. so basically we couldn't prove the bike wasn't stolen or, or whatever so it's a long story and it's, it's still it's still going on now but um it was a shame yeah because um when i got home I obviously didn't have a bike and then i ended up so that that bike was a ktm 450 um 2018 model that one was and when i got home i was trying to chase up a bike to to compete in the OzEx um, Open on and, and do my first double to dirt there. So um, unfortunately, I'd spent about $25,000 Australian um, on that trip to Travis's. So,
1: Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah.
0: So I didn't then have a hell of a lot of money to, um, you know, I'm just a, a tradie <laughs> here in Australia. I didn't have that much money. I, I had money, but I didn't, I couldn't, go and spend $13,000 on a bike in case the other bike, you know, turned up a week later sort of thing. So, um, I actually ended up going to a local bike shop and I borrowed a secondhand hand Husqvarna 450, um, for the OzX. Cool. O- so I ended up doing the first double flip on, on a Husky. It had about 110 hours on it. <laughs> so it was a little bit, it was a little bit older than my bike, but, um, it was, it was actually a great bike. So that was what I did the first double flip on. And then um, after that, I gave the bike back. And then my brother, my brother Ryan, he ended up buying me um, a KTM 450. So that's the bike that I'm riding now. And then I just purchased another bike. So i got two KTMs now. And then wow. the other bike, um, which is still at Travis's house, maybe for another time when I'm back over there.
1: Mate, that is... That's unreal. That's so crazy. Like my next thing was wondering what the hell you did for seven days, looking at the the ramp you're about to hit, and if you were shitting yourself, or yeah. if you, or if you got into shenanigans with Travis because you know every nitro video he's always up to something. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh,
0: um, I think no, I was I was really focused um, on what I was doing, so I wasn't. Um, I mean, you know, I'd I'd been thinking about doing that trick for for already quite a long time, and been working hard to get there so i was pretty focused on what i was doing so i think that first seven days i kind of was just going to the gym and and uh you know checking out the town and all that sort of stuff but um i wasn't riding the 110s or or bmx's or anything like that because i was too focused uh, on what i was doing i didn't want to do something silly and and get hurt on something else so i did um did check out the ramp a fair bit and we kind of got it all set in place and and you know roughly where we wanted it and then i just had to play the waiting game and there's only a certain amount of times you can go to the gym in one day so <laughs> I patiently waiting i was just kept checking my email to see if i got an email from the guy and i was trying to track the parcel like you do you know at australia post i was trying to track it and it wasn't updating and all that but yeah, it was a little bit painful just because I was in, you know, heaven basically at Travis Pastrana's house and I didn't have a bike. So it was, it was a little bit shit, but, um,
1: <laughs> just but yeah, a
0: bit. That's how it was. It was just how it worked out. So I couldn't really do too much about it. But, um, as for the ramp, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was shitting myself. I was pretty, um, I mean, I knew that. I knew the ramp was going to be pretty big. So I was, I was ready for it. You know, I'd, I've been thinking about it for two months when I was at work prior. So i when I got there, I was actually really happy with how big it was because I, I knew it had to be big to, in order to try that trick. I didn't, I was really hoping it wasn't going to be any smaller. So I was pretty, pretty excited to hit it. Um, I wasn't really scared or, or anything like that because it was just a, just a good setup and it was just what I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, no, I was more so just excited to, to get on it and, and get into it. So it was yeah, a little bit painful, but it all worked out for the best, I think.
1: That's crazy. And so was that ramp, like I'm just trying to think of all the different ramps, because I guess, like you said, his place is a museum of bikes yeah. and ramps and all sorts of things. Was the ramp that you tried that first triple on, is that the, the moon booter that we see at Nitro now, or was that just a –
0: Nah, first so that,
1: attempt that was different right
0: so that was a different ramp that was um that was a ramp that it was built for travis to do a double backflip 360 on so i yeah. think the macho action figures he does a, a double flip three um off that exact ramp so i'm gonna say i think it was purposely built for that trick and then um it was kind of just sitting around i don't no one else had ever hit it i don't think anyone else really had any need to hit it sort of thing because it was just a it was just a big random ramp um but then that was <laughs> yeah it just ended up being the one that i jumped off so um yeah it was it was a pretty cool ramp and i i think since since being there i've actually saw um i saw some footage on instagram of travis um, double, I think he did a double flip Superman ruler sort of thing on his KDM 252 stroke off that same ramp into the airbag. So it was pretty cool and it was good to see that TP was um, was still using that ramp.
1: Still getting on it, that's for sure, man. Um, no, it looks good. I mean, I saw the, the, obviously everyone saw the double 360 off of it. Um, and I was just wondering, I, I was sure that was the same ramp you tried the triple. But then I know, like you've come back and you're trying the triple on the the moonbooter. Um, we'll talk about that in a, in a minute if we can. Yep. <laughs> but I was just thinking. So you've you've got this issue with your bike. Uh, you've got home for X Open. You yep. had the Husqvarna that you've borrowed. Yep. <laughs> all the all of that just sounds so completely crazy. Anyway, and then you went to land your double backflip for the first time on dirt. At X Open, uh, yeah. hometown advantage, yeah. um, and you beat Sheeny. mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was I he don't. was he out the back kicking over petrol cans, or was he just happy to see a young buck like yourself coming uh, through?
0: Yeah, well, Sheeny, Sheeny couldn't have been uh, any more supportive on the day. He was he was really great to me. Um, obviously, he's uh, he's done you know so many double backflips, so he, he was a great guy to speak to. Um, but on the day, you know, I was I was pretty pretty head down, pretty focused sort of thing, you know, and I, was, I remember measuring out the ramp. And I'd been practicing the double flip, but um, I was doing it at about 55 feet. Um, and I think that's just, I don't know, that was just what the super kicker was set up at, at Cam's house. And then, so that was my, you know, that was my gap I knew and the speed and all that. And when I got there, I measured it and it was set at 47 feet. And I yeah, thought, shit, yeah. What's going on here. I was like, "Fuck, I've never even jumped a super kicker at forty-seven feet." And and on the day, I didn't even want to straight jump it, so I didn't. I um, I really? Just, no, I, I didn't even straight jump it in practice. I just jumped seventy-five. So what I did was um, to, to adjust the speed, you know, without doing a straight jump. What I did, I, I always measure out my run-up, so I I get a measurement from the bottom of the ramp, and I normally know put a rock or kick a bit of dirt or something you know where my mark was so for that particular jump my my run-up distance was 82 feet that was what I liked using so for for that jump being a smaller gap I just adjusted it so I ended up marking around I think it was around 76 feet and that was <sighs> all I changed I actually hit the ramp exactly the same I came in with what I thought was the exact same speed as normal but I just took a slightly shorter run-up so the only time I ever jumped that ramp at X was just the double the double flip. Um, I didn't want to waste wow. my time straight jumping it because it was like different distance and the ramp was on. It was like a forty five degree angle. It wasn't straight with a lander because the supercross track was. You know, we were using the same down ramp. We were sharing the down ramp with the supercross racers. So the super kicker was on the side. Um, so it was kind of pretty uneven and not straight and stuff. And I thought, you know what? I'll just do the double flip when I need to when the crowd's there and in the competition so I didn't I didn't kind of waste my time jumping it in practice I just did um yeah just jumped off the 75 because there was also the best whip competition there so I just had a had a lot of fun playing around with that but um but yeah that was where sheeny was really supportive and he just said to me throughout the day you know throughout practice he goes look if you're if you need uh, any info or you want to ask anything about the double flip or whatever, he goes, just let me know. Cause I know how fucking scary the first one was that I did. So he was really cool um, with how that went. And, um, and then even afterwards, it was, it was really, um, really happy for me, which, you know, which meant a lot to me. So it was, um, yeah, that was a, a really cool event. I think um, the boys at AME, Adam Bailey and Sando, they did such a great job with that event. And like, I'm, I'm really spewing that we weren't able to do it last year because of the, the COVID thing, but um, I'm hoping that they, they do one this year in 2021 because hopefully I can take one of those new double backflip variations to it this time and come back with something a little bit better.
1: Mate, that would be unreal. It's an awesome event. Like like you said, that Bailey and Sando, they got that up and running and like that is a world-class event now.
0: Um, yeah.
1: and Sheeny's just a world car, world-class human um, yeah that's right like what you said like he is one of the nicest most humble guys in the world sure but is. he does the craziest tricks in the world and, and that's the best yeah, thing. yeah it's if, cool
0: that's the best thing what you see is what you get you know he's um, you know I, I find it very very cool when a person is super nice to anyone they meet regardless of their job or their talent or, or whatever like Sheeney, you know he's just a genuinely nice dude and he um he has time for anyone which is which is amazing and um as i said on the day he was yeah, he was really good to me and um yeah he's just a, he's a legend of a bloke and then you look at the stuff he can do in a dirt bike and you just think wow <laughs> this guy's crazy
1: absolutely actually it was really cool um so about a week before we went into lockdowns last year i think it's february 21 22 uh we had night of the jumps in berlin so that's like their big event hometown uh event and sheenie came over and it was the first time i had sheenie and night of the jumps in like seven years or something and it was just cool like everyone that had met him seven years earlier like oh you know hey how you going and he remembered everyone yeah. but i just remember like it was in the back. Like I was just walking around, just checking to make sure everyone, all the riders had what they needed or ramps are in place and whatever. And I just saw him out, you know, in the tunnels and just like the normal punters who, whoever had VIP access um, would just walk past and they knew who it was and they, they didn't, want to approach him they didn't want to say anything and he just leaned in he's like hey how you going um yeah. you know what, what are you up to what are what you reckon about tonight and he just like everyone just loved it and so i sat back and i just watched it and you know he would then go off and get on his bike put his helmet on do his thing but then to see the people turn around with like the biggest smiles on their faces and then watching them walk through the tunnel talking about holy shit like he's one of the best riders in the world and he had time for us and he asked us what we are doing and what we feel like.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, Uh, and you know,
1: that's, that's the kind of person you want to have at every event. Like that's the kind of people you want to be around.
0: Exactly. And I know it
1: doesn't happen all the time. I know a lot of people have a lot of stress in what we do, but that's the one thing that really shines.
0: That's right. And Sheenie's always been like that and, you know, same with a lot of other riders, but I think, um, you know for as easy as it is to take a few seconds out of your day to to chat with someone you just think for that person you're talking to that could make their day you know it could make their their whole month for you taking a, a second out of your day to chat with them and i think that's um look that's something that obviously i'm, I'm not even close to being on the same level as these pro writers that we speak of but if there's any time when I'm at an event that someone, you know, wants to have a chat or whatever, I I just jump at the opportunity because I can remember, you know, not really that long ago, me being in that position and, and, you know, reaching out to the riders and wanting to kind of have a chat with them. I was always a bit too shy, but I remember what it was like. So if there's any chance that I get to sort of, do that same thing, I just think, you know, it's it's the best thing because you can make yourself really happy by making someone else happy sort of thing. So I think um, it's something that that's um, one part of being a freestyle rider, which is really cool. You can kind of, you know, you can kind of help motivate other people as well by just by having a chat with them and asking them a few questions how they're going. Um, so, yeah, like you said, is Sheenie, definitely one of those guys that, really has that dialed and i think that's why he's a fan favorite um because he's just a ripper
1: bloke absolutely no i'm i'm not even anywhere remotely close and i never would say i am um but that was the one thing that i felt when i was writing uh when i was doing shows like i'm i'm not like edgar torrenterez or or those kind of writers who like hammered up for the crowd i i can't really do that I'm way yeah. too shy for it
0: yeah, yeah. but then
1: i was i think about like when i've got the helmet on i'm not i'm not me like i have you kind of have to play your role a little bit and the crowd are there to see you and they're there to see something Good
0: so <laughs> yeah
1: yeah but then i i found like i instead of being the clown out the front i i was kind of remembering like when i was young and i went to one race at and motocross. And like Danny Ham was there, Kim Ashkenazi. And I remember as a young buck, like I was just standing there next to dad. It was the only race he ever took me to. Um, and Kim Ashkenazi was standing right beside me. And I was looking up at this guy. And turns out I met him years later and he's not that big. But when you're a kid, he looked like a giant. And I and so I just old. remembered that. And he took the time to say hello. And, and it was just funny that 10, know, 15 years later... Hello. It's, I, it,
0: it's yeah, good.
1: I, I that. yeah, I ended up doing a show shows in Indonesia with him and I oh, told yeah. him that story and and like he just laughed and he's like that, you know, that's cool. And so then that's how I kind of saw, you know, that's my role. So I would always try and like I would stay until the last kind of autograph to be done. Yes. And and I felt almost like this imposter, like I'm not that good, you're not here to see me, you're here to see you're here to see Sheena or you want to come to a freestyle show to see Travis, but um, you know, they're still, they're watching a freestyle show. So it yeah. doesn't matter who you are. You kind of just got to do it. I think Or well, not, that's not right. that you have to do it. You have yeah. to want to do it and that's and right. enjoy it. And that's what I did.
0: Exactly. Right. I think you got to make, you know, like, like, you know, the, the freestyle shows and stuff, it's not something that you can do forever. So, I think if you focus on making the most of it, you know, I think I remember doing my first Nitro Circus show. I, When the show ended, you know, when the music goes and the fireworks and you wave and you rev your bike, I remember thinking, fuck, I hope it doesn't end. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would have done that for half an hour. I was just thinking, this is the best, like looking around at the crowd. And so I think it's really good to kind of make the most of those moments and sort of take it all in because, you know, it's, um, not that many people get to experience that so i think being a writer like myself and you where it's we should you know we're really lucky to even be able to do that so i think it's pretty cool to to just kind of yeah take it all in and, and do whatever you can play your role as you say like it's you're exactly right we all sort of have our own role so um yeah i think it's pretty special to be able to do that
1: that's it exactly no i loved it i think that was that was what i look back on now was just you know just seeing the kids faces like that was the best part of the whole show like
0: yeah exactly right. jumping
1: in the crowd like sitting next to grandma and and like so i remember one show i can't remember where it was but um i jumped in and i was just sitting next to grandma in the front row and the show's still going on like the other riders were still riding i was just like sitting next to her with my helmet on and like clapping yeah. with her she's like what the hell and she she didn't know what to do and then i walked off and i looked back and she she was just like laughing with her family and i was like yeah that was pretty funny like it was funny for me i i didn't even have to do a few jumps so that was even better yeah. um you know i got out of a couple of the flip trains where i had to do a ruler flip and i wasn't feeling good that day so oh, oh, yeah. i was sweet <laughs> um yeah no it is definitely the that's the best part of it for me so hey
0: speaking of um Shaney, i just had a, a good memory do you remember um this was a long time ago. I think I was 16 years old, um, it was about nine years ago, and I was at Sheenie's house and you were there.
1: Yes, I do.
0: remember that. It was so – Yeah. I remember I, I was I went up there to do a bit of riding with Sheeny and um, I think I was there for around a week. And um, it was funny because – the, the full seven days I was there, it rained every day and we literally did not even get to ride once. Didn't even get to jump in the foam pit, nothing. So it was like <laughs> a total waste of a trip. But we did get to ride, um, you know, the little Sandy motocross track, crossroad from Sheenies. We, we got to play around with that a fair bit. But I remember chatting to you there. I was, I was only a kid. As I said, I was 16. I remember, remember chatting to you there and I think that was – I think I might have met you – maybe beforehand, but I, that was the first time I met you properly, you know, and, and had a chat with you and, and kind of, you know, got to know you a little bit better.
1: But, yeah, um, well, um, I think yeah. the first time was at Sinks' place, but me and Shui were on a road trip and and we were, like, passing through pretty fast. Um, yeah. But when I went to Sheenie's, I, I don't know, was that the one where I went to flip Fungi's bike into his foam pit because... The shock was wrong. You probably don't remember that part, but if yeah. I went into the phone pit, then yeah, I remember that.
0: Yeah, no, the, the time I was there it was it was that we had that much rain. We did. We literally did. Oh
1: yeah, with his yeah, and we were with his brother riding around on yes. on uh, the motocross track and just
0: That's right because I was yeah. I was his brother's um, CRF four fifty and I was having a ball. It was it was seeking that. That little sandy track was so much fun. It was I, I couldn't believe it. It was actually really fun, but um, you, know,
1: you say it was fun. I had freestyle suspension on my two stroke. I was getting smashed on that track. That was oh, it was so hard for me to ride, and like you guys were just blasting past me. It was well, ridiculous.
0: Back then, so were you Sheenie's manager or are you, yeah are you, yeah you were then yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of how that tied in, you know, I guess. You were you were up there hanging out, but yeah, I just just a funny. I just remember I was like, shit, that was a that was a long time ago to think of it now.
1: Oh yeah, no, that, well, I, that, I can't that. remember why I was there. I would have been, I would have over, only been in Perth probably doing a show for some reason, like a, yeah. maybe it was after Narogen or before Narogen or I was yeah, doing, I was doing another show there, for Fungi. Uh,
0: speaking to you and you you were going i don't know if you were going overseas or you were about to go somewhere so i think you were just chilling i don't i don't know yeah you might you might have been you might have already done a show maybe perhaps and then you're just there for a little bit and then off to your next destination or whatever but um yeah yeah, good times that was that was the first time i'd um i'd met Sheenie and um he's him and his family were very welcoming to a for a you know 16 year old from melbourne (laughs) so um that was pretty cool so
1: yeah Uh, that's it no i love i love going to his place he's um he's a very motivated man that's for damn sure sure Uh, definitely pushed me to do things i didn't want to do
0: when i was there but you can't get to where josh is without being you know very um dedicated and, and strict with what you do and what you don't do and, and all that sort of stuff, I think um you just really you just couldn't have accomplished any of the things he's done if you were, you know, too laid back or you you couldn't be bothered training or whatever. So, you know, props to props to Sheenie for being a beast on and off the bike
1: that's exactly see that's the thing i know that i didn't want to be the best (laughs) that's why i'm quite happy being absolutely mediocre and that's not a problem Uh because i don't like he he was flat out on in the in his home gym there and yeah uh, i think the the only thing i did like i i did go down there one morning and i like i'd usually just sit there and have a chat and sit on the um on the bouncy ball. I don't even know what you call yeah. them. On the bouncy ball, we call him Steve. Is that what you call them? Yeah, I was, I was thinking, you remember when you are in preschool and they've got like the little handles and you bounce up and down? That's yeah. about all I could use it for. Um, <laughs> and so I, I'd usually just sit there and speak shit while he was working out. I remember he had the rowing machine set up and he's like, right, well, everyone that comes here, we have the rowing machine challenge. I can't remember what you had to get to. And I actually did reasonably well. And I think you had to do whatever it was. You had to be as fast as you could be in one minute. So yep. I gave like my biggest minute ever in exercise. Yeah. Um, and on, and I actually surprised him. And his old man came down and he's like, no, nah, you didn't. I was like, no, oh, I did. Yes, you. <laughs> I said, but I can only, I only did it for one minute. Like I could not do the next two hours straight. Like. Like Sheenie did in the in the in the gym, but uh, but maybe they were just also being nice. They probably were. They probably just being nice, and, and I actually had a horrible time. But I felt good leaving, so I guess that's the good thing.
0: Yeah. Well. Well, that's good. At least you, uh, at least you had a crack. You probably would be walking woods and thought, "Stuff that! I've done my gym exercise for the year
1: now." <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. I, I did one minute on the rowing machine, and then I had to crack a beer to, uh, yeah. to come down from all that exercise. It was too yeah. full on, mate.
0: Go back to reality.
1: <laughs> oh, exactly. Go back to what I know. Like, go back to my training. <laughs> so, mate, well. What I wanted to find out, you know, we've been talking about doubles and triples, and and you yep. did say about nitro circus, and you've got a few yep. things you've been working on. So I, I, I'm going to go with this as like a, a little mini segment in the middle of this interview, like comment or no comment. Yep. Um, you don't have to give us an answer if if you can't. Yeah. Because I know how these things go. Yes. Yeah. Have yep. you have you got a triple backflip around to the wheels on the airbag?
0: Um. I'd love to say I'm gonna have to say no comment. But one thing I will say is, um, if you wait, wait a little bit, uh, you might see. But um, yeah, it's one of those hard ones. I'd love to be able to say a little bit more, but um, I'll just let you guys know that (laughs) I'm working very hard. You know, towards towards the goal. So. Um, but yeah we'll, we'll have to leave it at
1: that. <laughs> All right then um, are you doing it on the the triple flip like are you working on the triple flip on the regular moon booter or is it a different ramp or if it's the moon booter is it raised up on blocks or something? because yeah. I've watched some video've I've, I've yeah. tried to inspect it a little bit and I saw the one video where you had the Bobcat. Pressed up against the ramp to try and stop it from rocking, and yeah. I thought, well, if it's rocking that much, I couldn't see the ground properly. I'm like, oh, has he got this ramp lifted up? What's going on? Is it a comment or no comment?
0: Uh, no, I can comment on that. So,
1: oh, good.
0: I was, <laughs> I, was um, I was trying that trick, the triple flip off, um, off a booter like ramp, and we did have, yeah, we had it jacked up pretty high, um, so that was obviously just to get a little bit more hang time and, and all that sort of stuff. But um, I, I did, I can tell you, I did get three backflips around on that ramp, but um, it was very, 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 very hard. Um, and I think with that ramp, even when I nailed everything, like each, each step, you know, the the run-up was good. Um, the right amount of revs, the good pull, the good tuck and hook and everything. Even when I nailed every one of them steps what I thought was as good as my ability, it was still coming around with a, you know, nose heavy sort of thing. So um yeah. I did hang on. I I did definitely tuck and hang on to 3 a bunch of times on them for sure, like probably yeah, quite a few times. Um but moving forward, I'm gonna say no comment. But um, <laughs> that was just, as I mentioned earlier about being at Travis's. That's just um, it's all it's all a stepping stone, and you know, each time I've had the pleasure of doing this trick or, or trying this trick off a different ramp or a different setup or whatever, I've been able to take um, little bits and pieces of information and knowledge from each setup, and then. You know trying to use that in future testing and all that sort of stuff so i think um none of it's really been a waste of time and even though i did get pretty banged up a few times um i think all in all it's been really good for for me and for the the technique and all that sort of stuff so but yeah moving forward i won't be doing it off that that setup anymore
1: right okay well that that's answered. One question, so that's good. <laughs> Have you built the uh, the Pluto bu- uh, Buddha from Travis, like what Harry Bink has built? Comment uh, or no, no comment? No comment on that
0: one, but I, I'm not sure what you're talking about there.
1: <laughs> Sweet as. Um, are you looking at Harry Bink on Instagram and YouTube and like are you kind of, are you racing him to get this triple flip to dirt or on any ramp that you think is feasible?
0: Um. No, I wouldn't necessarily say racing because I think um, I think to to want to race someone for you know with such a dangerous trick, I think it's only going to end dangerous um if, if you're doing it for you know for trying to come off first or, or whatever. So I think with something this serious, you really need to take your time and, and do things professionally and and safely as well because. Um, like we know, if you, if you crash a triple backflip, it's, you're going to be in a fair bit of trouble. So definitely not racing. Um, but I think, you know, I think it's cool that there's, that he wants to work on the triple as well. And to be honest, man, man, Harry, are, we're good mates. We, we often talk on the phone, um, about ramps and, you know, bits and pieces and bikes and all sorts of stuff. Um, so there's, yeah, there's no race or anything like that, but, I think we both just have, um, you know, we both just have a goal in mind, and we're both just chasing our own goal. I don't think he's trying to race against me, and and you know, and I'm not trying to race against him. I think we both just we just want to do our own thing, or we both we both want to do it for ourselves. You know what I mean? So hopefully that awesome the question, yeah,
1: absolutely. Would you want to jump Sheeny's triple flip ramp? at Travis's. If it was still there, yeah. would you give it a crack?
0: For sure, because I remember when I was at Travis's house, I remember asking some of the guys, um is that, you know, is the ramp here? Can we can we get it going? Because I at the start I actually didn't want to leave. I didn't want to go to the airport unless I'd landed one to an airbag or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Early on I was like I have to do it. So I I can honestly say, I yeah, I would have I would have jumped that ramp if it was there because I was I was super keen and I was prepared to do it. But um, I think that ramp was long gone. It was because I think that ramp was it was a number of it was almost a number of different ramps sort of made into one. You know what I mean? It was a few different extensions and um, it was very technical the way that they built that into the hill and stuff. So I don't think it was the kind of thing you could just set up in you know an hour or whatever. But um no. yeah i would have loved to have jumped off that ramp it would have been awesome
1: man it looks so gnarly i i don't even know if i would jump the ramp like <laughs> let alone pull back i guess pulling back is inevitable after jumping it it just looks so wild
0: yeah I, yeah wanna, you just wouldn't even want to straight jump it i don't think you want to just pull back <laughs>
1: and just probably yeah, you
0: yeah. obviously make sure your speed was to hold in and you didn't the old turn to the right, like some people do with Travis's. but um, Man. yeah, it was it was one of those things you'd have to make your mind up on the right then and there when you're ready to jump, whether you were straight jumping or or flipping. Because I think it's with that kind of stuff, if you think about it too much leading up, you end up you know almost psyching yourself out. So I think you just gotta you just gotta roll up with the attitude of fuck it, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have a crack, and then you just sort of figure it out as it goes.
1: Absolutely. Um right, well you've you've learned from the first rider to really make the double backflip seem possible on almost a daily basis with Sinclair. Yep. Then Sheeny took that and he has really made it his own, then he doubled down and showed the triple was possible. Are you looking at what Sheeny did with that triple flip looking back at how Sinks then made the double possible on a Reasonably regular basis, do you feel that the triple can be done on a reasonably regular basis in the future?
0: I certainly do, Steve. I think uh, I've always I've always thought that um, since being on this journey, and I I definitely will. I would definitely want to say that it's no easy feat, and it's not the kind of thing that would be, you know, that a bunch of riders will start doing, or you know, it could be too dangerous or whatever. But I truly believe um myself that it is going to be a regular trick and i i i want to make it one so i think um i think if you look back at freestyle and you think about kerry hart doing the first backflip you know it was it was crazy and it was you know everyone was blown away and then as time goes on and and you know um motorcycles, get better and ramps get better and bigger and whatever, you know, then the backflip was become pretty normal. And then obviously you look at Travis doing the double flip in 2006 at X games. And that, again, that was insane. You you didn't think anyone was going to do that. And then as time goes on, people just realize how they can make things easier. So then, you know, there's a bunch of guys doing double flips now and and they're pretty easy to be honest to do. So I think um, as time goes on, you kind of, yeah, you figure things out, and um, you know the, that's kind of how the sport moves forward and, and innovates, and and it keeps you know it keeps fans and people interested. So I think I think it's a great question that you asked, and that's definitely something that um that I want to bring to life, and I'll, I do want to make it um a, a possible you know a possible trick for for shows or competitions or you know wherever it wherever it wants to be, I I definitely have a goal of of making that um, just a normal trick.
1: Well, you've actually brought up uh, a pretty interesting point just there, like the the progression of the sport and for the fans to keep coming back for more and for you to give them more as a rider. And the one thing that really pisses me off when I listen to like people in the motocross industry and in freestyle and, and all the pessimism that you know, freestyle's not that it's dead, but it's like there's no more progression. And the big one is there's no new guys coming through. And I think that's an absolute load of crap because there are guys like yourself and Harry and let's say Luke Ackerman in Germany, and there's a couple more writers like Jake May as well. I know he's really pushing it. Yeah. Um and I think it's just an absolute load of crap. Like and it, but it's the same thing you probably wouldn't even remember, but it's the same thing I heard 15 years ago yeah when they're like, okay. oh you know it's just it's going nowhere and and it's like the same negative thing from the same negative people and whether it's brands that are like ah oh, you know motocross is the only way to go and supercross is the only way to go and they just can't see the bigger picture yeah what are, what's awesome. your thoughts on that as Mate, an actual young guy who's actually doing it and you are pushing yeah. the sport
0: hey my thoughts are exactly like yours that- I actually get um, I get pretty annoyed when I I always hear people say Oh, what are you What are you even bothering You know the sport's dead or there's you know the biggest one that people like to say now There's no money in it and I turn around and say You know what I'm doing this stuff because I love it (laughs) Like regardless (laughs) of what you think or what your mate thinks or your cousin down the road I I love doing this shit and. I love being able to challenge yourself and and, and having goals and all that stuff like we touched on earlier. But at the moment, I don't make money riding freestyle. There's no lying. I don't don't make money doing this, what I'm doing. I work in order to pay for my bikes and bills and all that. So I'm not making any money and I'm still trying to do this stuff because I truly love it. And, you know, obviously I have goals of becoming a, a bigger professional sort of rider, but I, you know, I truly believe that the sport is still going places, and there's still a lot more to give. And um, you know, the the Nitro Circus people are, are working on bits and pieces, and um, I think the future of Fmx is bright. And I think there's a lot, there's a lot more that we can give. Um, and I think, look, if you're in, if you're in it for the right reasons, you you'll just make it happen. You know, like, um. You know, there might be certain people that are kind of in it to make a bit of money and get out of it, but most of us freestyle riders, we love the sport. And even if freestyle wasn't as big, we'd still be doing this stupid shit in the backyard because we. Just <laughs> like it. I'm sure you'd be the same. You know, we, we just like doing cool things. So, um, you know what I mean. If you're in it for the right reasons, you just kind of make it happen. That's that's the way that I look at it, and that's what I'm trying to do with with myself. I'm just trying to make it happen. But you know, I think. Um, I think a lot of the people that say, oh, that's not going anywhere, it's dead, I think they're either a bit uneducated or or they're just a bit, you know, maybe they've been riders and they're, you know, maybe coming to the end of their career and they're sort of getting out of it and they just, you know, they're like, whatever. Um, I might say maybe 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 they were making more money back in the day. I I don't know. I don't really get into that sort of stuff. But I just think... um, I just think the sports it's still got plenty to give and um and people like Nitro Circus, Night of the Jumps, all these people are, are gonna help create, you know, many more years of work for freestyle riders. So as long as we all work together and we keep doing cool shit on the bike, it's it's not just gonna die out. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of fans and there's a lot of a lot of good riders out there and there's a you know, hopefully after covid we can we can all kind of rebuild and continue with shows like I know you and night of the jumps and everything you're working on so I think um I think we're totally fine I think no one needs to stress we just got to keep putting in the hard yards and and working towards making the sport even bigger than what it is I think we're I think we're in good hands.
1: May you have absolutely taken the words out of my mouth. Um, well, that's good I'm glad that.
0: But- the same page there steve like, <laughs> I, really, I honestly believe that that's how it is you just fucking if you want something you just you go for it and you know there's so many of us writers that do want it so it ain't. it's not just going to disappear you know what i mean
1: well that's it like i i did have a few of these questions definitely prepared uh pre-planned and prepared yeah. for for you but as we've gone through like this is probably the longest interview i've done actually um for the podcast so far because Everything you're saying is like so damn interesting and so good to hear, but I could tell you were going to probably answer that how I would have, and yeah. that's the thing. Like, I never started freestyle to make money. I only ever did it because I wanted to do it, and I exactly and right. Every crash I ever had, and you know, like laying up in hospital and and all those things, like oh, was it worth? And I'm like, fuck, I I would have crashed at a show for money or I would have crashed at home for nothing but I would have been doing the exact same thing
0: exactly whether right. I was
1: here or whether I was there like that is absolutely of no concern so exactly you know the money right. is nothing to me um so it, be, just, it
0: and that's you what you know. do because without the without the motorcycle and and the jumps if you didn't do that you think fuck what would I do with myself how would I fill my day how would I what would Exactly I do to, You know, we all like adrenaline and we all like, you know, um, challenging ourselves. You think without the dirt bike, what the hell would I do? What do normal (laughs) people do on the weekends? You know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't know yourself. So,
1: yeah. Well, mate, it's been three years since I've done it. And I can tell you, I still haven't worked out what normal people do.
0: (laughs) But see, the good thing with you, Steve, (laughs) you're in the industry and you're around, you know, imagine just going cold turkey and not having anything to do with it. It'd It'd be really sad. You know what I mean?
1: If I didn't nearly blow my brains out before, I definitely would have if I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> if I wasn't still in the industry, that's for sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. oh man, it's... Um, I like- no, I think you've summed it up. You've summed it up perfectly where you, you're you not doing it for for the cash. Like you want to try triples because you want to try triples.
0: Yeah, definitely. Why well, would like, you do it for yeah. any other reason? <laughs> exactly. Like you said before, you touched on, you know, with the injuries, like like any freestyle or, you know, motocross, supercross racer, when when us dirt bike riders get injured, you know, it's, it's crap. But generally, as soon as you come to or you wake up in the hospital or whatever, the only thing on your mind is how can I repair and get myself strong and mentally focused to get back to doing what I like doing, you know what I mean? So I think that there proves that, Nothing's gonna really stop you from doing it if you're if it's what you love. So I think that's a cool thing and I, I definitely respect all the guys that are able to come back from, you know, big injuries and, and setbacks and stuff and just get back to ripping it. So it's um it's a cool thing about Moto guys and I think we're all pretty lucky to have that um you know, have that passion and something that we look forward to so much.
1: That's it, exactly. I've I've seen a lot of riders come and a lot of riders go. But you see, the ones who really stick around are the ones that love it. So yeah. I think that's that kind of answers that. Bar, bar, of course, huge injuries or maybe yeah. it's for family circumstances, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely. Like this is this is one thing that uh, I've done a lot of riding with uh, Jamie Squibb over in England since I've yeah. lived over here in Europe for the last few years, and so he's got two trucks that he runs around England doing shows all through summer. They've only got about three months of the year where they can do shows outdoors. Before they, I mean, almost every show he's got to ride in cow shit and mud and wind and rain and everything. But oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's horrible. I've done a few shows with him. and mate, I've seen, I have Some seen of them are tough. The
0: I, I remember seeing things if you riding with him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and the one thing that we kind of always say like when we when we look at some dudes and we're like all riders let's say if if you have become pro and you're doing it year after year after year you do get jaded definitely yeah. and we were like every rider should have like one month where they just have to stop riding freestyle go and work a real job and remember just how damn lucky you are yeah, <laughs> to you ride can. a dirt bike and to do this and and have fun like I I think that's a very very important lesson that that he sort of mentioned, and it sounds like you're doing it every day anyway. Sure. <laughs> you're you're the complete opposite right now. You're working sure. your ass off and no, trying sure. to ride on the weekend.
0: Because it, I I hate when I shouldn't say I hate, but it disappoints me when I see people who who get to ride full time and you know have all the the cool sponsors and all the things, and they they I hate it when they find it. Like an effort to ride, like, oh, I could ride again. You know, it's like, I, as I said, I get up at 3 30 every morning and I have to go to a job that I don't actually like doing, but I still, you know, you still turn up every day and do it. But I just dream of thinking, shit, imagine, hopefully we get a day off and we can ride, you know, I just think how cool it is. So I think that's a really good point that you make because if you were to send a few freestyle riders back to the real world for a month, they'd be going, this stuff sucks. Like how cool is it being able to basically be your own boss, you know, and, and, and run your own program and do, do your own training and, and ride and do all that and not have to be, you know, <laughs> doing, doing shitty stuff that you don't like. So I think that's a really good point that was that you or Jamie that made that? Pick? Well,
1: I th- to be honest, I think he said it, he was much smarter about all that than me. I just agreed while well, we were drinking beers. I,
0: I'll what, I respect him because he really hit the nail on the head with that. That's so, that's so true. And, um, yeah, good on him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, nah, I completely, like, it's just, I mean, I was riding, like, when I got over here, I didn't make much money, um, because I didn't really, I didn't do that many shows, and I didn't want to go stepping on toes over here in Europe and upset the, yeah. the locals. I just kind of filled in, like, I, I did a fair few shows, like, let's say maybe Hannes was injured, so yeah. he'd tell the promoter, oh, look, I can't make it call Steve or Squibby put me in a show because he couldn't get one of his riders. So I'd jump in and do that. And that was really cool. Um, And then, you know, I just, I was like, when I was riding here where I'm living in Germany, there were days where I was like, man, this, this is tough. Like there are tough days where you got to go. I have to go ride. That is my job and I have to do it but I made myself do it. Even if I didn't really feel like it that day. Yeah. Let's say I was getting ready for a comp and it's more about nerves, I guess. It's it's the nerves. You you don't want to screw yeah. up. You All right. Maybe you push You want to have a new trick. And as soon as you have that pressure of a new trick, you start shitting yourself. And then it's like, oh damn it. And I mean, again, I'm not talking about big tricks here. I'm talking about stupid court overflip that I hate doing, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I'd have to do like 20 of them a day just to, Yes, you know, I still think, know I can do it when I turn up, whether it's raining, whether it's windy, whether it's bad lighting or something. I just knew I could do those tricks. There were days where I hated it, but they were few and far between because at least I thought about this is freaking cool. I still get to ride yeah, my dirt bike.
0: That's right. And I, I think one, you know, one cool thing about being a pro rider too, if, you know, if it does, say it does rain and, and you don't get to go riding or something like I always just think, damn, I'd just love to be able to spend the day in the shed, you know, pulling the bike apart and polishing up bits and pieces and you know what I mean, you can kind of you can kind of schedule things out how you want. Say you won't want to ride three times a week or four times a week, but on the other days you can work on your body, you can go to the physio, you can, you know, put some new handlebar grips on your bike or whatever. I just think that whole aspect of of just being involved with your bike and always trying to better your program or your machine or whatever, I just like that whole idea of being able to sort of put everything into your your sport, your job. You know what I mean? So I, I just I think it's pretty cool. Um, it's a cool life that
1: yeah, that
0: the pros live, and you know what I mean. I think um, I think if good riders once they have lived it and they've done it all, I think when they retire you know from competitions and shows and stuff i think they would you know you'd be like shit i I had it pretty good back then it was it was pretty good fun you know
1: so mate absolutely that's what i'm thinking right now like i i'm completely on the opposite end of your scale like yeah i trained but i only trained on my bike i only rode freestyle and you know like i said this we've got a sandy track here at Fabian's place so i'd ride the track I'd ride freestyle. That was my training. Maybe I'd go for a for a pushy ride, bicycle ride up in the hills. Got some yeah. nice hills here around uh, in the northern part of Bavaria. But that was it. Like I, I hate the gym personally. I yeah. can't stand it. I don't have the patience for it. Yeah. Um, I'm hope, quite yeah. happy to play video games and have a beer. Um, yeah. That that's not a problem for me. But I would like everything I did was all into the bike. So I'd be exactly
0: right. I'd just we're
1: ride and just yeah. ride, ride, ride. That's, that's all I did. So as let's say, we're going to call you a young gun, but you're not a young gun anymore. You've been around for a long time, um, but you're yeah. still reasonably still, a young Bucky.
0: I'm still young, but I think, um I think, yeah, cause I started doing freestyle when I was you know pretty young. It seems like I've been, on, on the scene for a fair while now and um, I sometimes get a bit frustrated I think damn you know I need a I wish I was I, I wish I was doing a bit more and stuff but I think I gotta you know sometimes I gotta remember hey I am I only just just turned 25 you know
1: oh couple, man, you know? man yeah. my I only started feeling more confident and better in myself at 30. I thought I would be retired by 30 30 was like I was like man I'm like everything felt better at I'm 31. At everything was even better at 32 was even better. 33, like every year after 30, I was Who like, bad? man, this is good. And actually I spoke with Tom Pagez only, Oh, maybe a month or two ago. Yeah. And he was talk like, we were talking about, let's say young guys like yourself. And he's like, he's, I think he's the same age as me, 36 or 35, 36, 37, somewhere around there. And he's still pushing it at his age. Yeah. But, you know, like obviously he knows he can't do that forever, and especially yeah. to be at the top, but he's still going so good over 30, and you're only 25, which is crazy. So I want to find out. Not I mean, I know a little bit more, but uh for the fans listening into this podcast, who is this J O Archer that they may not have heard of before? what is the first result or accomplishment that you would put on your resume for a sponsorship
0: um, I would probably put the the gold medal at the X open for the best trick I think that's probably one of my proudest things I've done to date um, but you know in saying that I've done I've done a bunch of other things um, and I also had a pretty good um Pretty good growing up, you know, racing motocross. I had some some really good results. So um, I've done a few different things like that, but yeah, my my most proud moment to date so far would be the um, the Aussie X Open win because um, you know that was that was just a really just a really good event, and to be able to land the first one and with the little complications I had throughout the day, I had the bike break down a few times that borrowed bike, and I almost <laughs> wasn't going to be able to ride because the clutch. The hydraulic clutch stopped working, the um, slave cylinder went, so I had no clutch. So there was a few little things like allowed, and to be able to come out and land, I was just super excited. So I think that would be my first thing I, I would write down for a sponsor.
1: Awesome. Have you ever asked another rider for their autograph?
0: Oh, I have, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah? Heaps of times, yeah. I, I'm a I'm a fan. <laughs> I love bikes, so for sure. And I Is- I...
1: I still- Let's say Travis, you got Travis there. I'm guessing you've got an autograph Travis. from him, but yeah, uh, who else? A,
0: uh, Jersey, um, I've got a bunch of, I still I still like getting Cam Sinclair's signed stuff. I've got a bunch of his things. Um, it's funny you ask this question because literally today, um, Levi Sherwood put up a post on his stuff.
1: Oh, mate. Yeah, I saw that.
0: <laughs> I was jumping at that. I was like, hell yes, I, I want a bit of, bit of Levi memorabilia for my, um, shed or, you know, or house or whatever. I was like, shit yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I I still, yeah, for sure.
1: Love it. How much are you actually in the gym?
0: Um, so I go to the gym six days a week, but there's some weeks I'll go seven days. Some, sometimes I go every day. Um, and it all kind of depends on, you know, if it's, like normally it's six days a week no matter what rain hail or shine and i'm normally there for about an hour and 20 minutes to an hour and a half but sometimes in winter when it's raining and it's shitty and there's not much riding going on i'll go twice a day so i'll get up at three thirty, yeah. and and hit it early and go to wow. work and then you know if there's no riding i'll then go again in the afternoon so i go a fair bit uh, it's become a um, you know, I, I honestly knew nothing about the gym, and it wasn't until I moved to China and did freestyle shows over there that was where I first started going to the gym. And it was purely just to kill time because we had a lot of time in our hands. So that was kind of where I got into it. I, I didn't really know much, but then slowly just kind of picked it up, and and it's just become a massive hobby of mine. And um, you know, all the stuff I do in the gym is just to feel stronger and, and better and stuff for the, for the bikes, but. Um, yeah it's become a massive hobby it's crazy um so i i do spend a lot of time in there if you can't oh, find man. me you're probably there
1: <laughs> that's unreal so apart from the gym and motorbikes yep. what else are you thinking about
0: um oh no
1: more there's no more time left in the day
0: good question um uh look I think all my energy goes into bikes um, and then apart from that I think I'd put most of my other energy into you know family and girlfriend and, and stuff like that and, and obviously my job it's a it's a you know I, I spend a lot of hours there a week so that has to be something on my mind as well but um i think for sure you know obviously family and and stuff like that is really close to me and, and the, my girlfriend beth but um but yeah I, I gotta say that pretty much all my all my thought process and capacity goes towards Dirt bikes. (laughs) Not much else going on. I I just, I just, everything I kind of try to do is to better myself at that. So I don't really, don't have much time to to do too much else. Good to hear.
1: What interview questions do you hate?
0: (laughs) That's a good question because I'm sure as you can, as you probably realized in the last two hours, I don't mind having a chat. So No, I, I've picked that up. <laughs> yeah, there's, not really, um, oh, there's not really much. There's not really any questions I wouldn't answer. I've never – I can't say I've really ever been asked any dodgy ones, um, like nothing crazy, but, mate, I reckon you could pretty much fire anything at me and I'd, I'd, I'd give you an honest answer. <laughs> Except so, those uh,
1: ones when it comes to the big, uh, the big shows, the,
0: yeah, the ones where
1: you've got to keep your mouth shut.
0: Well, even though I'd actually love to answer those to my best, the best of my ability, but um, yeah, there's a few like that which I can't say. But um, but yeah, there's probably no bad questions you could ask me because I'd have to find a
1: way around it and give you some sort of answer. Mate, that's what I love to hear. And to be honest, like it's, it's been great chatting with you today. Uh, it feels like we've probably still only skimmed the, the top of who J.O. Archer is, but it sounds like the future's bright with, uh, with writers like yourself out there and, and, and that the answer you gave before about, you know, the pessimism that others have, and you don't see that, that's, that's absolutely ideal. I think in, you know, let's say freestyle motocross moving forward as a sport but also yep. all action sports like it feels like we've it's this massive generational change where you know all action sports are becoming a little bit less relevant maybe because of social media because there's so much saturation or yep. people just into more things like you've just got netflix on call all day like yeah. i'm Right. I'm not scared to sit down and watch Netflix for 12 hours. That's yeah. easy. I can I can play TIMX on my phone for 12 hours. Not a problem. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so that's it's harder to keep people's attention. But I think right. with with guys like yourself pushing because you want to push, that is that's that is the way to go forward. And I don't know. Like, as long as I'm in. Luckily, the position I'm in at Night of the Jumps, which honestly, that was that just fell into my lap. I didn't go looking for this. Um, I'd love to have you at Night of the Jumps at as many events as we can have you at.
0: Well, you be just awesome. sound
1: like the right person to, to have there and it sounds like uh, sports in, in the right hands. Well, I think so, for sure, mate. And I appreciate that. And um,
0: yeah, I want to give a quick plug to my social media. If anyone... Um, has had a listen to this and they, you know, want to get to know me more or or anything like that. Um, One thing I'm really, really big on with Instagram is uh, no matter uh, who it is or what time it is or anything like that, I always read every message and reply because, you know, I I find it so cool that people want to chat with me and, you know, get to meet people from different countries and all that sort of stuff. So if if you're on Instagram, search up J.O. Archer and, you know, and follow me or, or don't follow me if you want, but just check it out. <laughs> I love, um, as I said, I love being able to, to chat with people and, and even if I can give any advice on motorbikes or anything like that. So that'd be cool. And um, and then obviously a massive thanks to you, Steve, for having me on and letting me talk your ear off for the last two hours and three minutes and 15 seconds.
1: (laughs) No worries at all.
0: Like you said, we've only skimmed across, you know, a very thin layer of the top of of who I am or or whatever. So I think, look, mate, if you'd have me back on in um, whenever, whenever, but, you know, in a few months or whatever, I think maybe we could talk about a bit more or, or even if you get me on after I'm allowed to talk about a bit more info, we could, we could do a uh J O Archer V2 chat and we could um we could yeah go into a bit more detail about some of the things I'm working on. I think that'd be cool.
1: Well, to be honest, I'd much rather do it in person. And that was the whole idea of this podcast. The whole reason I started it was and I whoever's listening to this now, you've probably heard me say it a million times. My mate Joel back home. Um he he was like the the life I was leading, like, I was just living the dream. Like I said, I'm not a good writer. I'm just very mid-pack in freestyle. But I was going to awesome locations. I was meeting really cool people. I do the TV hosting anyway for, for Night of the Jumps and other voiceovers and commentary. So that part was starting to become natural, even though this was never natural. I never like i i don't call the pizza guy like i i wouldn't get on the phone and call for pizza rage has to do that or somebody else i i i can talk but only about things i really want to talk about and so he's like man do the podcast like if you're at an event you know grab whoever's there so that was the reason i started this and so mate next time we chat it has to be in person so yeah, Whether it's sure. the night of the jumps, if we can get an event this year despite COVID, or if yeah. I can manage to get back to Australia for Nitro or something yeah. like that would be fantastic. I don't know, but we'll definitely have to get uh, episode number two or
0: the for second sure. part
1: out of you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> be good. Well, hopefully um, hopefully you can make it to the Nitro Circus World Games in October in Brisbane, because I'll be there and um, yeah, it'd be good to have a chat with you there for sure.
1: Mate, imagine Nitro inside Suncorp Stadium. I've I've been in there watching some pretty big games of rugby league. You probably don't know what that sport is, but Mate.
0: Um- <laughs> I'm not playing rugby league. My rugby league is the biggest sport in my family, and my brother still plays. And my daddy. Is it? There. Yeah, I I actually I was a I loved it, man. I, I got to a point where. Um, I was playing um, rugby league on a Saturday and I was racing on a Sunday and I was I was all about it and then it, it, I got to a certain age where rugby league had to then be starting to be played on a Sunday so I was going to conflict with the bikes and I actually had to choose between either footy or motorbikes and I'll tell you what I was very very close to picking footy I was playing rep footy in Sydney and stuff like that and I was mate I was loving it it was a pretty big decision for me to stick with the bikes so.
1: <laughs> Whoa, well I was about to wrap this up and let you go to bed cuz I know it's pretty late there, but uh are you then not from Victoria? Are uh, you from New South Wales?
0: Yeah, so I I actually grew up um in the Sutherland Shire in Sydney, so Oh,
1: listen to this. Right. Okay, oh. Queensland versus New South Wales. Yeah, um if are. whoever if you're listening to this and you're not from queensland or new south wales in australia you have no idea what i'm talking about but <laughs> the state of origin is i would say it has to be the biggest three games of like a sporting event in australia yeah, like it's rivalry the there's this is massive rivalry and honestly i thought you were from victoria so i was like well you're not yeah, even um, going to know what rugby league is down there I, playing I, afl
0: i still love rugby league actually I'll just quickly touch on this before I keep showing you off. But during COVID, um, when there was not much going on with the bikes and, you know, there was no shows and stuff, I needed to do something for adrenaline. I needed to, to be doing something. And the gym wasn't cutting it. I needed to do something else. So I actually went down to um, Frankston and I signed up to play footy for the Frankston Raiders, So, which was rugby
1: league.
0: No way. So... And I was so stoked. I went and bought some new footy boots and and got a footy and you know I was practicing and everything. And then had a few training sessions. And then we were meant to have our first game. And I was stoked. And then um, the COVID started getting much worse. And then it just never happened. But um, yeah, I was I was ready to get right back in there. I I, I still miss I missed footy a fair bit actually. I I'm always watching every game and all that sort of stuff. But um, but yeah, no, nah, it's funny. I, I definitely know what you're talking about. But being Living in Melbourne now, none of my mates or anyone here likes rugby league. Like, I've tried to get my girlfriend into it, and she she's slowly learning. But it's pretty AFL mad here. They all they all love AFL, and to be honest, I hate AFL. I think they're a bit soft.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'm with you on that one. I, I don't understand anything about AFL. Like, no, nah, neither do I, I. I don't get it. I don't get what they're what they're trying to do. Like, they're just soft.
0: I don't even want to learn to understand the game. I'm just happy to just not have anything to do with it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I I was actually playing a bit of rep footy. Like, I didn't yeah. – it wasn't great, but I did play rep footy up in Queensland. Yeah. Um, but it was actually – I was kind of the same. I think I got to the un, under-16s and yeah, –
0: about when it changed, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and at that point, like, so I, where I'm from, I was playing for uh, Maribyr Rovers, and the next team up, like, there was Harvey Bay, they are okay, but the the guys up in Bundaberg, and man, the, the guys coming out of Bundaberg, whether it was the rum, I don't know, but they were fully grown men with massive beards, and I was the skinniest fullback, and I was getting smashed. Like, I remember one year I broke my wrist One week, I think that was from, from the bike. Uh, I think I had my wrist in plaster for a couple of weeks, cut it off. uh, And then I went back and played a game and it was over Easter and just this guy from Bundaberg fell on me and snapped the other wrist. And I was like, okay, right, good. And then the next year I was breaking something else, playing rugby league. And I'm like, oh, I think I think actually motorbikes is safer (laughs) and I I like I kind of got to that point and I was like yeah I mean I can put time but you've got to go to training you know as much as you can and and as you can tell I'm not really into the gym so I I certainly wasn't doing that I was I was pretty skinny so I was I was just that fast kid like fullback or winger sometimes center um and I'd Put a pretty nifty bloody uh, sidestep on. I could get around a fair few, but yeah, if yeah. I got caught up, like if a front row hit me, like I was getting smashed. So, it's
0: funny yeah, say, it's funny you say that. I was playing for Como um uh, which is which is the club that my family, you know, we've been always been around. My dad's a lifetime member, and my brother still plays for him now, actually. But I remember being in, um, I think it was around the under thirteens, and my dad was the coach, and we had this one, this one kid. Um, from New Zealand and he came over and he was like, he would have been over six foot tall, had a beard, had gray hair. And this kid was like, he was ridiculously good because he was so big and he would, he could have like their whole team hanging off him, trying to tackle him and he'd just be walking towards the try line like he was just unstoppable. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty small um, as well. I, I normally played five, eight or, um, or center. Um, and, yeah, I was only pretty small too. But it's funny that you mentioned that about the fellas up in Bundaberg because it seemed like that was the case in, uh, in Sydney as well. There was a few teams and you just think you almost want to check their ID to make sure they're not like hey, oh. they're in the under-14s because <laughs> the guys are huge. They had beards and stuff. And I was just like a little kid, you know.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. like Well, since you were, you've you spent a fair bit of time in Victoria then and you're yep. in the rugby league, do you know Antonio Cafusi?
0: Yeah, I don't don't know I him, know though.
1: the name of. You yeah. would have seen him playing for yeah. for Melbourne Storm. Yeah. So yeah. one one time I remember he was he was up there in Bundaberg, and I think we were on the Sunshine Coast playing at like maybe it was for Queensland Rep Footy, and he smashed me. He absolutely belted <laughs> me, and yeah. so then I think it was the next week we had a game up in Bundaberg, and so. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. It worked out in the end, but I just put this massive target on him and he fell down so fast. Like, I just took him around the legs and knocked this big bugger down. Um, And Not that it hurt him, but he definitely was winded. I was like, like, yeah, you just got to hit the big fellas just right and they'll they'll come.
0: I'll tell you what, my old man used to tell me he was a a gun free player and he'd always say, don't worry about the big guys because – they fall yeah, they're up, easy. Tackle them around the legs. Never go high because if you wrap up the ball and wrap their arms up, their legs can still move. So you just come in around the legs, and they got nowhere to go. So I think that's a, it's a thing that it, you know it actually makes a lot of sense. The bigger they are, the bigger they fall. So you just got to yeah, get them. That's,
1: I'll that's tell you what,
0: it. that's that's very impressive that you knocked him down because um he's gone on to be a really really good player. And he's well, a, that was
1: the thing. Like, like I I kind of didn't follow footy there for a couple of years like when i was really really full-on into freestyle yeah i probably maybe there was two or three seasons of the nrl i stopped watching yeah and then i i don't know i just got back into it I with my mate ryan and 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 we were just watching like a couple of guys we used to play with in school and i see the name on tv and i'm like kafusi no it can't be the same one and holy shit, that's the same bloke. I'm like, oh, you know, of course, then I'm telling stories. Oh, yeah, I bloody knocked him down. Yeah. Um, but there was actually quite a lot of guys that came out of that year that I was playing. Um, but one of them, and this ties in quite well with Nitro at Suncorp Stadium, so you're going to have to make a make a point to try and meet him. A good mate of mine, Nick Parfitt, you probably don't know his name, but God, uh, he... He was playing a little bit for the Broncos. He was part of the baby Broncos team. Oh, this is... Oh, you would have definitely been way too young um, when we just got out of high school. Uh, so he played for them, but he ended up becoming the highest point scorer in the Queensland Cup. So he's actually working at Suncorp Stadium. I went and had a, a chat with him when I was back home last time, about a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, mate, he's, uh, he's all about you know bringing freestyle to suncorp stadium and uh yeah the, the biggest point scorer in the queensland cup so obviously he's a queenslander but I'll say good day
0: i'll be able to buddy um talk some talk some rugby league with him that'd be good be up there riding dirt bikes probably talking about footy so i might be able to chew his ear off like i've done you
1: <laughs> well that's it well him him and his wife Gemma, they they came to my place and Brought their, their oldest boy, and so I was I was riding around. Like, he. they came out where my house is on the, the highway at Tyro. Um, if you've ever driven through Queensland and, and you've driven north from Brisbane, you know, let's I say have yeah, I then you've off. driven past my jumps on the side of the road. You can't miss them. So, yeah, they, they brought their son out, and we were just riding around. And, uh, no, it was good. So he's into his bikes now, old Nick. So, no, you can talk bikes, you can talk footy. He'll love it
0: oath. Oh, sounds like a plan, mate. I'll have like to i like to keep that in mind. And as I said, hopefully you're up there anyway during that um that time of the competition, so we might all be be able to have a bit of a yarn.
1: Let's see if uh if I can get back to Australia amid all this COVID. That's that's yes. the biggest problem that it cost me probably I don't even know how much it'd cost me to get home, probably five to ten grand, I guess, to get mm-hmm. home and then back with okay, maybe maybe with flights go. with uh <laughs> With the with the uh, the um, the hotel stay for two weeks, that's a couple of grand. Uh, I mean, let's see, let's see what happens. Maybe we've got vaccines by then, and we can get hope, home. Let's hope that
0: um, you know, come October, let's hope there's kind of a little bit more light into the tunnel, and we have a bit of a a bit more of a free option of being able to travel, you know, without spending tens of thousands of dollars to watch some freestyle let's hope that there's a a better way by then which is definitely um it's definitely possible but who knows we'll have to wait and
1: see that's that's it mate well it was awesome to chat to you today or tonight for you there and uh mate i can't wait to see what happens uh in october at the suncorp stadium at nitro i can't wait to see what you've been working on
0: me too steve i'm looking forward to it and i can't wait to show everyone um and, yeah, once again, I'd just like to say a big thanks for, for having me on the podcast. I've, um, I've had a good time, and it's good to have a chat with some old friends and talk about some cool shit that we've done or we've seen or whatever. So that was um, that was really good, mate. And, um, yeah, look forward to, to catching up with you. And as I said before, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, message me or whatever, jump on Instagram, and I'd love to, to have a chat with some, some new people or fans or whatever, and it'd be cool. So... Um, Thank you, Steve. I'm off to bed. I'm going to be up. I'm going to be up in f- uh, four hours
1: to go to the Oh, mate, you are an absolute animal.
0: No stuffing around here, Steve. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I bet there's not. No, thank you so much, mate, and uh, we'll catch up soon.
0: All right, sounds great. Thanks, mate. See ya.
1: Well, I'm actually blown away with Jo's dedication and his motivation. It's been a few winters since I saw him last, but it's great to hear he is just as pumped about riding his dirt bike now as he was when he was like 15 or 16 when I first met him. I think the sport of freestyle motocross is definitely in the right hands with someone like J.O. And imagine if he put the tools down and actually rode freestyle full time. You know, the crazy thing is this guy is landing double backflips in competitions and he's working on a triple backflip. And he's not even riding freestyle full-time. Maybe once a week if he's lucky, like he said. Imagine now, what the hell could this guy be doing if he was actually riding six days a week? He would be absolutely unstoppable. So this is actually my call-out to anyone who has some sort of marketing pull within any brand and you're looking to promote your brand through well-respected athletes. I don't think you could get much better than working with J.O. Archer right now. Once events are up and running again, I'll be pumped if he wants to come and compete at the World Championships of Freestyle Motocross at Night of the Jumps and also the brand new Freeride MX World Tour that we've also got coming up very, very soon. The invite will be there for him if he accepts it this year for sure. And obviously with Nitro Circus World Games and the Nitro Tours coming up as well, that could potentially be a huge amount of growth right there. I want to say a huge thank you to my own sponsors of this podcast, Rothaus Brewery in the Black Forest region of Germany, to help create this type of content and bring interviews like this one with J.O. to you today. I had a couple of Tannen Zeppler alcohol-free beers to wet my whistle because there was a fair bit of talking going on in this one. And it sounds like J.O. is definitely up for another chat soon. So like I said, I can't wait to catch up with him in person at the next event, We'll sit down for a 10 and a of beer after the event, and I'll pick his brain just that little bit more. Also, if you're needing a new website built, the guys at Lakes Networking who just finished off building my new ridersloungepodcast.com website, they're ready to go. I even had them update the back end of my old stevesommerfeld.com website, which is probably, oh man, that must be 10 years old, older, probably older. And so I'll have to sit down in the coming weeks and update a bit of content in that one as well. But you can jump on the Riders Lounge website and listen to all of the podcast episodes. If you're working on your laptop and you've got the website in the background playing, not a problem. Or if you want to find out more info on any of the guests that we've had here or some news in freestyle motocross or action sports in general, I'll definitely be bringing more to the Riders Lounge podcast website as well if you haven't checked out the merch already it's actually been really good the support from you guys has been fantastic and i probably won't do it for everyone but after listening to jo archer and his story on the triple backflip and the having the ramp up on blocks and seeing the video of this moon booter or his version up against the bobcat and and just working out his exit angles and and trying to work out how to make this ramp work for a triple backflip. Thought so, you know what, let's make this into a design. So probably by the time you have listened to this episode, there should be a new shirt up. I'll put a link in the description, and if you want to jump on it and help support the Riders Edge podcast and the people who are involved like the guests, it would be absolutely fantastic. Like every episode, links to all the things I've spoken about are in the show description of this podcast. Check them out if it's faster than searching on Google. Also, if you could share the podcast with your friends or who you think might enjoy it, that would be absolutely unreal. Leave a comment, subscribe, do what you need to do. It would be absolutely fantastic for the podcast. And thank you so much again for tuning in and we'll see you again next time on the Rider's Lounge Podcast.